0: I like to look at gratitude as a bank account, yeah, so the more gratitude we have, the more we're investing on a future potential, yeah so every day i there's I'm required to go in gratitude, start the day with gratitude, and I feel like uh, I believe it's abracadabra as I speak it, it is created,, mm-hmm. so when I say it out loud, I'm literally calling forth what I wish for, yes, so if I want more. Uh, sex. I'm going to talk about how great my sex is in my relationship. And if I want more money, then I'm going to see abundance everywhere I go. Yes. I'm going to literally put money out on the table. I'm going to observe it. My subconscious is going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So everything I do that I want more of in this life experience, I'm going to uh, get grateful for it, even before it comes.
1: Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Drew Canoli. Drew is an author, transformation coach, and founder of Organify. Drew has helped thousands of women and men revitalize their health, ignite their vision, and shift the course of their life forever. After reaching a dead end in his own health, Drew discovered the chasm of difference between going through the motions and living with radical intention. He now helps people tap into the big you to create the change they never thought possible.
2: Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Cech. Today, we are going to talk about UBU with Drew Canoli. Drew is the founder of Organifi, FitLife TV, somebody I've known for a lot of years, but I felt like I had to talk to this guy because he's accomplished a hell of a lot. And like me, he comes from some challenging beginnings. And I was recently given his book, UBU, Detox Your Life, crush your limitations and own your awesome. And I actually didn't even realize Drew had written that book or any books. Uh, It just slipped under my radar. And so in prep for the interview, which we were going to focus more on Organifi, but I was so impressed with the book, I said, well, geez, there's a lot we got to talk about. And Drew and I have some Childhood parallels. So, Drew, welcome Mm. to Living 4D with Paul Check and you. Thank you, Paul. So
0: surreal to be here. It's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. This is excellent. Well, and I'm I'm not surprised you haven't heard of the book just because I'm surrounded by a whole cadre of other works from Rumi, from all these deep, you know, Jung's books over here. This is insane, man. And this is just one room.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've got. I've got probably half a million dollars of the books in here. I need to up my book game. Yeah. Somebody once told me something that was really funny. They said, never trust a man whose television screen is bigger than his bookshelf. Mm. (laughs) I said, there's some wisdom to that. Yeah. But, um, you know, Drew, I I was really impressed with UBU. and I'm also super impressed with Organifi, which is, you know, why you and I have a a working relationship to share that with people on the podcast. And I've had nothing but positive feedback from people. Mm. And, uh, I think, you know, me well enough to know I'm really critical about what I attach my name to or recommend to people because I don't want the karma of selling garbage to people for money. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be broke and happy than rich and uh, confused. Likewise, So, um, I'm grateful for that. But, uh, You know, to start off, I would love it if you could sort of encapsulate your journey. Um, You know, reading UBU, I realized for the first time, you and I had some interesting parallels to our childhood, our father relationship, um, you know, just things that I'm reading and I'm going, wow, you know, it's amazing how uh, when you heal, if you choose to heal, you can open the flower of the soul's potential and i think you've definitely done that i mean you've built some very successful businesses and um i think from everything that i can see you're truly living your own dream mm-hmm. and so why don't we start off by uh getting a little synopsis of how yeah. it all started for you and, and unfolded yeah so
0: i grew up in michigan Mm-hmm. From Michigan, I was, I chose, I like to say I chose my parents um, and it wasn't an ideal situation. Yeah. I'll just say that. Uh, Cadillac, Michigan, I was born into a family where my parents were very young. Mm-hmm. They were very, um, you know, strapped for cash mm-hmm. and they chose to do copious amounts of
2: heroin and oh. meth and mm-hmm. they were drug addicts. It's funny how people that often have no money get into expensive yeah. drugs.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've never figured that one out. Yeah. So total drug addicts. And I witnessed this mm-hmm. at a young age. I witnessed people uh, very much torturing themselves yeah. with the erratic nature of the drugs and the up and down and the relationships that they had. And they were just in constant turmoil. Mm-hmm. And I witnessed this at a young age. So therefore, the turmoil uh, revealed itself in my life. Yeah, I was tortured. Yeah. I was beat. Yeah. You know, if I, my dad would shove my head underneath the bathtub water and if I came up out of it 30 seconds later and I cried, he would put my head back under the water. I mean, I was three, four years old. So you were already an MK
2: Ultra. Yeah. I
0: was a Navy SEAL in training.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is, um. A little early. <laughs> a little early for that. So of course my relationship to the masculine and, and men in my life suffered big time. Yeah. And it's still something I'm working on every day. Yeah. Cuz I don't think trauma really goes away. It's just we figure out how to manage it better. And um I think we
2: we figure out we how figure to make it out meaning out of it. Yeah, there you go. If you don't make meaning out of it, then it stays trauma. Yeah. But if you find a way to make meaning out of it, then Empathy and compassion flow through it. Mm. That's my experience. Yeah, you know.
0: So instead of
2: uh, it happened to me, it happened for me, kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with that. And the thing is, is that in shamanic circles, you know, I've studied a lot of the great shaman and worked with a number of them. And what the great shaman, people like Angelis Aryan, will tell you is that typically those that are destined to become healers, guides, or, or shaman choose challenging childhoods mm-hmm. and gain a lot of the kinds of wounds that turn out to be the kinds of wounds that the most people suffer from.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Therefore, when they heal those wounds, all the energy trapped in the pain and in the emotion and in the body is freed and now becomes liberated energy that they can use mm-hmm. to transfer through love and connection to others. But the the key thing is that whatever we really heal, we can naturally see in other people, and we know how to touch. Mm. and We know how to <clears throat> work with it because we've already had our tri- tri- a trial of tears. Absolutely. So seeing where you've come from, you know, and and what you've created, it's pretty apparent to me that you've. Um, Made that conversion. Mm -hmm. And I had buckets
0: of trauma. Yeah. And like I said in in the book, you know, trauma is fuel. I love that.
2: Yeah. I got a question on that in there. Yeah.
0: So using that at a young age. And I think one of the things that really liberated me is I wanted to escape so bad from Mm -hmm. the 3D, from Mm -hmm. the material world. Yes. That I was going into dream time. Mm -hmm. And at a very young age, I had my first lucid dream when I was four. Wow. And I woke up. And I saw this monster in this dream. And for every night for months, I would wet the bed wow. as a four-year-old. Yeah. And I realized in the dream, I'm like, this is a dream. This monster isn't real. And as soon as I did that, I had compassion for this monster that made me piss the bed every night.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And the monster shrunk. And I held this little mo- baby monster in my hands, wow. and I had love for this thing. Mm-hmm. And then I went out into the awakened day, and I realized that monster at night was the same man that was attacking me yes. every single day. Yeah. And I just changed the way I observed it. Yeah. So the projection started to shift the reception of my life. Yeah. And we ended up escaping from that situation, my sister and I. She gotten stabbed in the eye with a fork. Jesus. She escaped out a window, went to the neighbor and the state police came, took us away. And then we were in foster care for another year, being abused in foster care again. Because you put a kid that is taught you know, swear words are cool by their yeah. parents and everything, and I'm I'm indoctrinated around all these other kids that are supposed to be quote unquote good. Yeah, and I'm like, can you please pass the fucking potatoes? Yeah, and then I'm being whipped in the bathroom and soap shoved in my mouth yeah. and trained like a Navy SEAL again. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so it's uh, it was a an amazing experience because yeah, you're right.
2: It's a it, it- it certainly can be amazing when you heal it, but when you're yeah. in it, it's no fun ride because I've lived yeah. through those very types of things myself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So lots of lessons at a young age, which like you said, catapulted me to really understand as above, so below Yeah, and know that whatever I'm creating in the moment is my own manifestation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I lived my whole life like that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in the matrix, dude. Yeah. And here we are, we can either let it control us or we can separate ourselves from the box altogether. There's nothing
2: outside of the matrix Mm -hmm. except non-duality. And then there's no I- to have an experience to love to live so you know arthur young who is someone i've studied a lot he invented the bell helicopter and devoted his rest of his life to the study of consciousness um he says first you have to learn the laws of the matrix mm-hmm. then you learn to create beyond them and i love that yeah and so most people unfortunately are trying to figure out how to cheat the matrix but he really, in his teachings, makes it clear you you can never do that because the matrix is the very basis of everything about you and everything about the universe. So it's kind of like trying to cheat yourself into not believing you have a body. <laughs> All you can do is deceive yourself, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. So I think, you know, working with the matrix and realizing that it's powered by the consciousness of that which is whole and beyond our own ego's perception um, gives us this opportunity to to look deeper. And you know, you described this in your book of like this feeling of being a kid, like saying to God, "Why the hell am I here?" I had the exact same experience mm-hmm. uh, multiple times, and and uh, I also had major openings happened to me as a result of the trauma, which ultimately I found out I could remote view and astral travel. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, through a series of experiences, I realized that the trauma had given me skills that now I was using to help other people heal. And when I could actually connect the dots and realize chances of me figuring out how to do these things that are classically shamanic skills. Yes. uh, Had I been raised in a normal family uh, probably wouldn't have ever happened. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have had any reason to plus, you know, for the average person to learn how to do things like use clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, remote viewing, astral travel, Takes a fair bit of work because you have to undo all your programming that says you can't do it. Absolutely. But when you go through the kind of experiences we did, um, you know the the cosmic egg gets cracked, mm-hmm. and so the soul of us just pours right out of the holes. And in that outpouring comes the realization of, oh my God, the the world's a lot bigger and more magical mm-hmm. than beautiful than I could imagine while I was in this shell called mm-hmm. the self so, you know, where, you know, from there, you know, you went through your childhood, but obviously you found passions and developed some amazing businesses. So talk yeah. to us about that <clears throat> transition out of love the it. sort of the jungle of the pain and into the light of, of the wholeness of Drew.
0: Yes. I love that. I really worked on turning the trauma that I had into trust- that's faith. a
2: beautiful comment, right there.
0: Yeah, so I had this absolute trust that um, my version of God back then, because it's constantly evolving. You know, Me too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I as like much about as much as I
2: study. I'm like one, when you really figure out what God is, you cannot. Yeah, you can't fixate on an idea or yeah. or you haven't learned.
0: <laughs> I thought it was so beautiful pulling up here because you literally live on an unnamed road. Yes. And you can't name it. It's uh, powerful stuff. So turning trauma into trust was my big focus. And I knew I had to shift my feelings and the way that my body felt in these individual moments with my parents. Yes. Right? Even my adopted parents were the most loving. I got adopted when I was six. My mother was suffering from ovarian cancer, mm. so she couldn't have kids, yeah. young age of like 26, 27. And she's one of these women that has the biggest heart on the planet, only wanted to have children was her lifelong goal. Yeah. And that was taken away from her. So she was very much doing the foster home thing. She had like 11 kids in wow. and the state would always take them back. And she's like, why God? I just wanted to have kids. And she yeah. went through her own metamorphosis. So when my sister April and I entered the house in Lake City, Michigan, small town, less than 700 people, two stoplights, Mm. big city living. When we walked in, uh, every hair on our body stood up and it was an answer to her prayers to have children. And she knew in that moment, and I knew that these were going to be my new parents. Um, Given that- they were incredible with patience. They were incredible with understanding and compassion. My mom and dad, my dad's a truck driver. Mama was a janitor my whole life.
2: Wow.
0: So crazy, right? Working people. Working people. Blue yeah. collar, I like to say we're at the bottom of the middle class people, which yeah. is an awesome place to be. Mm-hmm. But I also learned a lot about money from them. And really? I learned how not to um, you know, project the money situation and how to create abundance given the fact of where i am today so it's it's interesting because every situation like we said we're choosing it and i realized those same powers that you talk about like the astral travel Mm -hmm. the remote viewing um i learned at a very young age to read people yeah and i learned energy like feeling their energy fields yeah the truth is
2: in the energy not the words yeah
0: and uh seeing beyond the egg Yeah. You know, the human egg. Yeah. And really tapping into the energy field and seeing before they know what they need, um, how to speak to that. Yes. So, one thing my employees say, and we have 120 people on the team now. That's a lot. Yeah. Is I'm always in the future talking to their highest version of who they are. Yes. And I trust people way before they even deserve it. And I think as a leader, that's important for us.
2: Well, it sets up a field of um, love, Mm -hmm. acceptance awareness it's uh you, you know if we create a sacred space within ourselves then we yeah. we also do that for everybody we're in contact with and it's a real journey i mean i tell people you don't need a church or a temple any any relationship will guide you to the awareness of what needs to be healed so you can ultimately for real. Um, become what you're meant to be Mm -hmm. and uh, intimate relationships, of course, are the intense version of that, but (laughs) having employees is ultimately like having your own children. Mm -hmm. I look at it like that too. It it is.
0: Yeah. And one thing is I'm not separate from them. No. Right. we said we're in this together since the beginning of time. I can look at May. I can look at Jamel, my CEO. Now the rest of the people on the leadership team and throughout the company, and we are, we're in this together. Yeah. Like we're very much a family. And that level of trust, turning the trauma into trust, was huge in my business. And it was massively huge in growing up. Yeah. Because one of my natural gifts in trusting everybody and speaking from that place was enrolling people in my vision. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So vision is everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd like to think one of my superpowers is speaking to the vision mm-hmm. and allowing people to join it. Yeah. And... Um, that was really a catalyst. You know, if I hadn't gone through it, like you said, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have those abilities. No. So.
2: You'd just be uh, a more immature soul that is here to play in the sandbox for a while.
0: (laughs) 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 For real. So,
2: you know, uh, your first, if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, but your first sort of bigger successful business was FitLife TV, wasn't it?
0: Um, So I ran, okay, so that's, this is a, a story in and it of itself. Grew up in Michigan, 25 years old, I moved down to Tampa, Florida, and I was doing mortgages, 2005-2006, height of the real estate boom. I was doing really well as a mortgage broker. Wow. Right? Like everybody was back then. And then the market kind of fell out. Yes, and then my boy, ego do I know about
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Hi, this is Paul Check and I am super excited to share an amazing line of super nutritional products that I found called Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. If you go to Organifi.com and check out their product line, they have a wide variety of excellent products. And unlike any food-based product company that's ever showed interest in sponsoring the Czech Institute or any of my courses or products or videos or any of the projects I've done, that stated they were organic. When I asked them for their organic certification, I never got them. I have been through this before. When I contacted Organifi and asked to see their documentation that they were legitimately using organic source materials, very quickly I got an email with 14 organic certifications showing that their source materials are certified organic. Then I put the products to the test with my family and on my own body and I must say I was very impressed. They have a wide variety. They have green juice, red juice. They have a product called gold that aids with sleep, muscle aches and pains and joint stiffness. It helps bolster your immunity. It's awesome. One of my favorites is called pure and it's got lion's mane. It's Bobab infused it's great for gut health brain performance lion's mane is excellent for stimulating neurogenesis I love to give it to my son mana another one that's fantastic is immunity which is an organic superfood product and it supports your immune system it tastes fantastic I like to put these right in some water and mix them in and drink them or put them into tea They have a variety of great stuff like green juices, red juice. They have Organifi Gold. It aids with restless sleep, muscle aches and pains, stiff joints, bolsters your immunity. You'll wake up feeling rejuvenated if you have that in the evening. They have awesome protein powders. Angie's about to give birth to our second child and she's been really enjoying their protein powder. Their products are safe for pregnant mothers. I'm a very picky guy, and I'm hard to impress when it comes to food products, but these guys really got me. I love the products. If you are ready to try some amazing products that can really make your life more efficient, if you don't have time to do a lot of cooking, you're a busy executive, or you're a mother, and you've got lots going on, and you need something to give your kids now and then that's legitimately nutritious, good for them, And organic, which means clean and high in nutrients. You can't go wrong with Organifi. Go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com. And when you're checking out, put in check 20s, lowercase c, lowercase h, lowercase e, lowercase k, 20. And you will get a 20% off at checkout and you will be amazed just like I was. Can't wait to hear your feedback. Check them out. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com. When you're checking out, use the code C-H-E-K-20 for a 20% discount and prepare to be nourished enlivened, and, and amazed. I'd love to hear your feedback. And then I had a
0: I had a massive ego growing up, little E, right? And
2: yeah. sometimes you need it to get through the fire though.
0: Yeah, exactly. It pushes you.
2: Well, you know, you, when you come from a traumatic family upbringing, if you don't have a strong sense of self, you lose your will to survive. Mm. And I yeah. know, you know, I remember watching my father beat the hell out of my mother and uh, the rest of us kids. And what, you know, me and my brother, We we were just tiny little people. Here's a six foot four, two (laughs) hundred twenty pound professional rodeo rider. Yeah, one of the strongest men I've ever met in my life, picking you up by the neck, planting you against the wall, and slapping you like a rag doll till blood's squirting out of your face. And me and my brother would just go full on on the attack. We would pick up anything we could hit him, throw at him. Yeah, and so you know, kind of like your 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 monster that you talked (sighs) about. Yeah. When you realize there's monsters in your life and there's nowhere to run, then paradoxically, you grow an ego as a survival strategy. Mm-hmm. But then later, we learn that that ego can actually cause us some problems, and, and and then we're given all these opportunities to heal. So I'm just saying, of course you had a big ego coming from that. <laughs> You'd have to, because there's only other one no other option, and that's low self-esteem And then you're probably going to end up a drug addict to emulate your parents because those are the two sides of that coin. 100%. You either either become the victim Mm -hmm. and medicate like mom and dad taught you to, or you become the hero and not everybody's as excited about our hero-ness as we are sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Beating your own drum in your band, yeah, yeah. So that was me for many years. And I was successful with the mortgages. I started a credit and debt settlement company, Mm -hmm. which had success. Um, but I wasn't passionate about, I wasn't helping people and I was out of shape. I was 40 pounds heavier. I was lethargic. I was lazy. I, uh, didn't have any real ambition. I didn't have my purpose yet. And I was meeting with a man who I talk about in the book. Mm -hmm. You asked about, you know, mentors a little bit earlier today. And, um, essentially what was powerful is I'd meet with Frank every single day. Wow. And I would sit down with this guy. Your guardian angel. My guardian angel. Yes. Sure enough. And I would meet with him and we would read, uh, you know, books like this. Yeah. Books by, um, you know, Joel Goldsmith, Neville Goddard, Mm -hmm. a lot of these classic books that Mm -hmm. we would read together. We studied uh, Christian science at the time. My mother
2: was a Christian scientist. Which is a
0: great program, right? Mentally, like it just sets you up. Um, There's a lot of good things and there's a lot of, you know, maybe not so.
2: Yeah, like don't see medical doctors even yeah. when you need one. There's
0: the extremist of, yeah. for real.
2: Yeah. Mary Baker Eddy is the founder of Christianity. Yeah, Society. woman
0: in the 1800s. Yeah. Like how powerful is that? Yeah. And so, studied that and uh which laid a lot of the foundational work that I used in actually building FitLife. Yeah. So, I made a he said, if you do one thing in this world, Drew, make sure whatever you choose to do, you're helping other people yeah. every day. That's what it's all about. He's 87 at the time, a sage. Wow. Walks into a room. People are just healed by that presence, That's that amazing. energy. What a gift. Yeah. Such a gift to me. And we met for probably four or five years. Wow. At least three, four days a week. Perfect. Still dear in my heart. Yeah. Talked to him. And I listened to him. I bought an HD flip cam mm-hmm. and I started recording videos on helping people heal. That's nice. And that's when I came across your book. Oh, really? Yeah. So I uh, how to eat, move, and be healthy. Yeah, how to eat, move, and be healthy, which was a catalyst for me. So thank you for writing that.
2: I was writing that while you were selling mortgages.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, so of course I was inspired by that, and I recorded a video every day for months on end, showing people how to be healthy, how to. So
2: that is that how you ultimately started FitLife TV? God, that's great. What yeah. a, so so there you see. The power of one's own healing becomes a gift to the world
0: exactly your mess becomes your mission yeah so I was uh, shooting these YouTube videos and we grew our YouTube following back then which you know they call them influencers today but really we were one of the first influencers on YouTube back yeah. then and we just created content not to make money but just to help people
2: yeah that's what I do that's my yeah. social service I've got yeah I think over you know probably 550 550- plus videos out there that...
0: I saw the room with all the recordings and everything. It's it's insane, man. You've done so much good work.
2: Oh, well, I'm just like you. I'm just... Uh, once you realize who you are...
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: then you know what you are, then you know... Why you're here, and, mm-hmm. and then you—if uh, you can always tell who knows because they live that way. Yeah, you can tell who knows intellectually because they talk a good show in a coffee shop, mm-hmm. but then they go right back to living in ways that are, you know, counterproductive and not healing and not things that you'd want others to emulate. Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: which is a lot of society today.
2: It is. It's a lot of society. It's a lot of leaders gurus spiritual teachers it's unfortunately a lot of cut and paste experts but you know that's when you walk the trail of tears like both of us have you you know what it looks like to to be with people that are unconscious and disintegrated and then when you find someone like your mentor for me it was the self-realization fellowship monks my mother Mm, yogananda yeah i studied that yeah my mother left christian science um and joined the self realization fellowship with the monks and Yogananda's teachings when I was twelve powerful so I got to see the difference between being in a Sunday school where nobody would answer my questions and I could get in trouble for asking them mm-hmm. to monks that could give me understandable practical, clear answers to any question I could give them mm-hmm. and acted even in the face of challenging circumstances as though they were. Well, loving, compassionate, enlightened, well self-managed, and clear. And yeah. so when you get to shift from the chaos to see what it looks like when you're working with someone that is operating from their heart, then um, it has a, a, a profound impact on you. Mm-hmm. It certainly did for me.
0: Totally. I love the SRF teachings as well, and Mm -hmm. the monks over there, and the gardens in Encinitas. We're so blessed to be so close to it.
2: Yes, that's where I had my first full-blown samadhi union with the universe. I was sitting there Mm. paradoxically teaching two of my students that had come from Australia to take an advanced training program with me, and they asked me if I would teach them to meditate. And so I taught them the basics. And then about a half an hour later, all of a sudden, I found myself coming back into my body after being one with the whole universe and I was in a state of utter shock. (laughs) When I came into my body, it was so profound because my whole body jumped like something had fallen on it. Uh And I realized, oh my God, I, I had just become one with everything. And when I came back in and jumped, I kind of emitted a noise and they looked at me and they had this look on their eyes like they were in shock. And they go... What just happened? I said, I don't know about you guys, but I just became one with all that is and totally forgot that I was a human being. And they said, they're twins. Yeah, and they simultaneously said, so did we. Oh and it was their my first time god! To meditate. And it was at my favorite. Oh my god! Bench at the Self Realization Fellowship Gardens was if you walk right along the cliff. Yes, right where there's a house over there. Oh. There's a couple of benches right there by
0: the pool. Past That's the pool, past the pool, past okay. the pool.
2: You keep walking. Uh, you would be going um, north. Yeah, uh, and then you get to the where there's a fence and there's a big house that the monks actually bought to to house the monks. The SRF bought, but there's you're quite right close to the cliff there, and there's two uh, like park benches, and we were yes. side by side on those benches.
0: What an experience! Yeah. So are you still doing um, SRFs meditations?
2: No, I, I explore lots of things, as you can yeah, see, but of course. I've studied with uh, you know Master Fong Ha, Tai Chi, and Qigong Master. I took training in medical Qigong. I've studied countless different types of meditative arts. I've studied Sufism. I've studied all of the Sufism. world's religions. I Rumi. love Sufism, too. Yeah, I have studied mm-hmm. Rumi extensively. Um, so really what I do, I, I, I feel it. it's my duty to explore and to synthesize to develop enough awareness of what works for what types of situations so that when i'm working with my patients or my students i can suggest what i think is ideal for their mindset and their needs so i spent my whole life practicing and i work with a technique until i feel like okay i've got enough wisdom and mastery that i can um Going further might benefit me, mm-hmm. but I don't need to go further at the expense of learning other techniques that might be helpful to other people. Yeah. I've been doing almost daily Tai Chi for about 17 years, and I pretty much meditate every day in the sauna at the end of the day. Uh, I don't get f- freaked out if I don't do it, meaning, like, I would say I typically hit about five days a week in my meditations at night, usually for a half an hour. And I do my Tai Chi usually for 20 minutes every morning to start my day. So those two, and within the meditations, I do lots of different types of meditation in the sauna, from astral travel to just pure no-mind meditation. So Mm -hmm. that gives me the sort of the inner stability that I need to to navigate the world. Mm -hmm. What are you gravitating towards?
0: So I did the SRF meditations for a while. Um, experimenting with TM right now. Mm-hmm. So okay, transcendental. Yeah. yeah, meditation. Waking yeah. up and resting in the morning, mm-hmm. twenty minutes, and then twenty minutes around one or two. Because I get up around three thirty, four o'clock. Yeah, I
2: get up early too. Yeah,
0: I knew you were you're a lion chronotype.
2: Yeah, I am. Um, I, I move with the sun.
0: Mm-hmm, me too. Um, I try to watch the sunrise every morning too.
2: It's beautiful. I did a year of Egyptian sun gazing. Where my I love soul- sun gazing. Had me get up with the rising sun and go down and meditate for the last hour, and that was that was the year I was a vegetarian, and that was quite a profound um, year for me
0: <sighs> massively heart opening
2: yeah, yeah, you know and, and I, I I had a lot of wild experiences i won 't sidetrack our interview with because I really want to know more about you. but I think people need to hear
0: this that. though paul
2: well I, I have mentioned <laughs> it in, in I think in my evolve yourself series I, I mentioned it, but yeah. You know, my soul told me that um, she wanted me to become a vegetarian. And I'm like, really? You know, I'm 89% fast oxidizer. You know, I don't do well without mm-hmm. a lot of fat and protein and dark meat. And I'd been a vegetarian as a kid, but it made me sick. It got me anemic after six months. And
0: likewise.
2: Yeah, so the my mother took me to a naturopathic physician. He said this kid needs to eat a steak. He's anemic, but when my when you know the soul, I believe is God within us. So when the soul speaks, I listen, and you know it was tough because I when I started, I was probably about almost 190 pounds. Was an excellent physical condition. But within about three months, I was down to 165 pounds. Now I was still doing the same workouts, but my body just wouldn't mm-hmm. respond to the training. I couldn't get stronger. I found that it took me longer to recover. But at the same time, my inner connection and my clairvoyance was just like, I mean, the I, roof. I could put my mind on a patient, for example, and ask a question and connect to their soul. And I would see what their soul wanted me to see like i'm sitting here looking at you right now Mm -hmm. and so a lot of other things begin to happen from spirit guides coming from other dimensions shaman from uh that have left the earth plane coming to teach me and so i spent hours and hours rattling and drumming and learning different chants and Mm -hmm. different techniques working with various gemstones and just stuff that ultimately became um tools i used to help People heal, but I developed a profound relationship with the consciousness of the sun, and uh, it guides me to this very day. Yeah, likewise.
0: Isn't it amazing? I went over to an uh, uh, ashram, uh, the Great White Brotherhood, actually. Steiner was part of the
2: Great White Brotherhood.
0: Yeah, and uh, in France, south of France this year, mm-hmm. and they have sun gazing every day. Wow. And Master Mikhail Ivanhoff in the 1930s was teaching all these people how to literally sun gaze and burn off any entities that aren't serving you anymore and just really Mm -hmm. that internal work Mm -hmm. and there's something magical that happens in that time we were over there for about a week my girlfriend and i she's all about this stuff
2: that's perfect
0: yeah so Mm -hmm. super powerful though and i can relate to the vegetarian stuff yeah i went vegan for six months and Mm -hmm. i Was about 190, and then I got down to like 150
2: pounds. Well, I was 189 when I started, and got to 164, 165. Yeah,
0: I just lost all my muscle, Mm -hmm. like you. I was doing the same workout, Mm -hmm. and uh, I just wasn't serving my body. As a fast oxidizer too.
2: Well, the day that mesomorph. soul said okay you can eat fish and eggs now i almost had a freaking heart on i was so excited (laughs) and you know i kept saying to my because i was getting hungrier and hungrier and the smell Uh of meat would just turn me into a dragon and i'm like i would say are you sure you don't want me to eat meat i am really hungry and the answer was no don't eat it it took a lot of discipline for me to go through that for a year yeah and i got ridiculed like a son of a bitch man I got nasty letters from all over the world from my students saying I was a hypocrite. You told us not to do that. I said, no, I never told you not to do that. I told you to listen to your soul. And I also told you to use the techniques for listening to your body. And I said, I'm being guided by my soul. And believe me, it takes a lot of discipline for me to do this, but man, did I get attacked for that. And I had friends giving me uh, funny t-shirts. One, one of my buddies from, Canada, Matt Nickel, who's a famous strength coach. He gave me a t-shirt. He says something I can't, I can't remember exactly what it says. Vegetarian, a village idiot who can't hunt, uh, can't, <laughs> can't think, and is useless to the tribe. And I'm like, okay, I'll wear that, you know?
0: Uh-huh. I think uh, back then when you did it too, it wasn't cool to be a vegan. Not really. So there really. was probably even more ridicule.
2: You know, the thing is, is that so many of my students were were muscle- power people. Yeah. And they they had selective hearing. When I would speak about the spiritual aspects of my teachings, they would kind of just go phase out. Their mm-hmm. their shadow would block it. But you know, anything about how to make your muscles bigger, win, run faster, jump higher, then they were all ears. All about it. But as soon as I talked about things that they weren't ready to do the work to understand, they would ignore me. So when it when I Went into this phase of my life, they acted as though it was some kind of a surprise and that Mm -hmm. they couldn't grasp the fact that I was being guided by my higher self because they just didn't want to engage a concept like that. Because as soon as you start engaging the the higher self, well, then the ego has to take a back seat. And so the ego, as I'm sure you're very aware, (laughs) does not like losing its illusion of control. And so, uh, it was it was a tough part of my own development because people that I thought had respect for me and love for me as their teacher turned out to be violently rude. <laughs> and so I really had to go deeper into God to say why do you keep putting me in these situations? And my soul would say to the degree they treat you like that it means they need your help. Don't forget. And I'm uh-huh. like oh my god, yes, okay. I don't sometimes it was hard to be that loving. And yeah. it, and I still have to work on it sometimes every day, really, because there's a lot of fire in me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I commend what you did. I think, you know, when I do like seven days of fasting and mm-hmm. I'll do the juice and then three days of water and then a day of dry fasting or whatever it is, your spiritual abilities, it just opens up.
2: It cleans the house, doesn't it's it? It's
0: just like every day is a, uh, I had a teacher tell me this Every day you fast is another chakra that's opened up completely. And at day seven, you see everything. Yeah. And it's like you could bilocate your consciousness and tell what every person at the table had for lunch. Yeah. And you're just telling them, like, it's wild, man. And that makes you want to continue. It does. The big risk with fasting is people die because it feels so good. Yeah. And it heals your body in such a way crazy
2: and there's a tipping point though if you, <laughs> if you, i don't know if you listened to my interview with tim sheaf uh-uh not oh, yet it's I'll worth listen to that listening one. to yeah he's a vegan uh world-class athlete world champion at free running uh two-time uh ult- ultimate ninja warrior uh, mm. uh finisher i think he won the ninja warriors in england and uh many years of vegan started a vegan clothing company And then his health started deteriorating very badly. And he reached the point where he realized he needed to eat something. So he chose salmon. And the first night after he ate salmon, he had a dream where he had a a, a jacket, he orgasmed in his dream and had a wet dream. And (laughs) then he, being an honest guy, told people, look, I had to stop doing this because it was, I couldn't recover from exercise, I was feeling terrible. And they kicked him out of his own company, and he got violently attacked by the vegan and vegetarian community. And I, I Penny forwarded me an article about this, and uh, when I read it, I'm like, this guy is a fucking hero. Yeah. He needs to be celebrated. Yeah. He was honest with people, and they attacked him for being honest, and 100%. they don't want to hear the truth. So anyhow, if you haven't listened to that, or all of you that are listening haven't listened to my podcast with Tim Sheef it's a real... Real honest look at the danger of an ism, but the courage of a riddle warrior mm, I love that, yeah. and I'm
0: gonna eat more salmon <laughs> good
2: <laughs> well drew i I love hearing your history. It's amazing the parallels we have mm-hmm. and um you know i've I've found these parallels in a lot of people who devote their lives to healing and supporting the world um, many times I've sat here listening to people and just having deja vu you know it's just like okay there's a pattern emerging Mm -hmm. here so when and for those of you listening if you're hearing this really hearing it from your heart you realize the pain and the challenges are actually gifts if you uh, work with them Mm -hmm. and and allow yourself to uh you know i i tell my students flowers grow in shit but it's up to you to plant the flowers instead of focusing on the (laughs) shit, you
3: know? Mm -hmm.
2: So, you know, Drew, I reached out to you regarding Organifi products, first and foremost, to test them. I've seen loads of so-called organic products out there, but most of them are produced under the guise of bogus organic certifications. Um, Because my sense of you is that you stood to lose too much by misleading people, I had to test the product for myself. I mm-hmm. you know, I knew, okay, my sense of Drew is he's, he's not a, a con artist. He's not going to play games with people. And I started seeing your ads all over the place. And I thought, okay, he's really up to something. And it's obviously selling well, or he wouldn't be able to afford to do all this advertising. Mm-hmm. I better test this because I'd love to find something that I like, that I can recommend. Because as you know, a lot of people are just so busy, they don't even really take time to eat properly or... Yeah, You know, look at the kids who's living out of microwave ovens. And I thought, wow, if I can find something that is easy to use and is high quality, Mm -hmm. then it would be a great (coughs) gift to people. So that's what led me to testing your products. And I shared them with my family and friends and a lot of my elite athlete clients. And I got nothing but positive feedback. Yes. And as I shared with you earlier, even though I have food intolerances to several of the ingredients... I had to test them and see, you know, how to, you know, I'm very sensitive to the energy of foods, the flavor. I can tell when where they're farmed, how they're farmed. You know, if I eat a piece of meat, I know whether it's organic or not, regardless what's on the package. But I found them to be really nutritious. I had a real sense of, you know, when you eat something truly nutritious, your body relaxes. Mm-hmm. It's like your body gets happy. And I remember the first time Penny was standing right there with me on a first one of your Drink mixes I took and drank it, and I went. Like, All right, this is the real deal. <laughs> I'm like I got to talk to Drew about this, and I tested several. And I took them home to Angie, and yeah, she, you know, she's a mother with two little kids and breastfeeding, and she loved it. Penny loved it. Um, mm. You know, so um, I'm giving it. I'm giving your stuff as Christmas gifts to people. Love and, it. You know, I just, I just really was impressed, and um, thank you. You know, I know um, using organic source materials has to really increase your base costs significantly. Could you share your motivation to use certified organic ingredients, absolutely, in your Organifi products? Because I know it's it's really not easy to get real organic stuff. And the first thing I did when I when I um, thought, okay, I want to see if Drew's interested in sponsoring the podcast, but before I do, I got to make sure it's real organic mm-hmm. stuff. And, and your staff sent me. I think 14 organic certifications. Yeah, And I'm like, okay. he's Because every other company that I've done that with won't share their organic certifications, which as soon as that happens, a good example is Juice Plus was after me for years, just Mm -hmm. hounding me. They would call me. And it got to the point where they had a PhD researcher that worked for them call me. And that PhD researcher could not answer my questions, skirted around them and when i asked for their organic certifications they said it's proprietary information i said that is absolutely ridiculous why would you want to keep secret what makes your food source clean and nutritious mm-hmm. so i would never ever do it because they wouldn't give me the info so you know when you look at the cost of it when you look at yeah. the 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 need to stay on top of the cleanliness of it it's a lot of work for you so what what led to you making Organifi and choosing to go the hard route to produce a good product? Uh, First of all,
0: Paul, thank you for all the work that you do and the respect that you've cultivated throughout time with the people that follow you, the people that are devoted to your mission and your movement. I know that they're at the highest level of education and they're at the highest level of what can I put in this life vessel, this human vehicle, uh, in this lifetime to get the most out of it, Yes, right? Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. And it is a lot more. Yeah. So if you're interested in starting a superfood company, uh, don't do it half-ass. No. You got to go all the way. You have to be fully committed. And in being fully committed, there's arduous testing.
2: There is. And, and if you don't do it right, then there's no super in the food.
0: Yeah, there's no super in the food. In fact, it can be very damaging. Exactly. Right? So um, first, we started with the premise that we need to make something that's better than anything in the market. Yep. Not only is it tested when it comes in, it's tested when it's blended, it's tested after it's blended, uh, organic. Mm-hmm. And we're making sure. We just got the uh, glyphosate yeah. uh, label, yeah. which is awesome too, because that's the big thing now. Yes. It's non-GMO certified, which was another hassle. Yes. Um, it's, we're NSF certified as well. Um, and we, we do all the testing to make sure we're getting the very best. Mm -hmm. Not only that, we're choosing ingredients that have their own clinical trials.
2: That's great. More
0: often than not, you know, like the ingredients we choose, there has to be at least one core ingredient that is showing clinical results Yes, and evidence to impact the human biology. Such as lion's mane. Such as
2: lion's mane. Yeah. Talk about lion's mane.
0: Cordyceps and... Yeah. NGF, uh you know, nerve growth factor, increasing yeah. that, helping with dementia, yeah. the coffee berry extract we use yeah. increases BDNF by up to 129% in clinical trials. What's BDNF? Brain derived nootropic factor. Oh, nerve-topic. yes. Yeah. yeah. So they say that- And if you're listening to this, you know, for the longest time, the belief was you can't grow new brain cells. Yeah, of course. But there's certain things that you can eat and consume Mm superfoods that can do it. And there's other things you can do as well that help with that. So starting with that premise that we're committed to the highest level, the highest level of integrity uh, with the superfoods that we create. Yeah. and. Um, you know, when you said that you, you were looking at the ingredients, I just saw you as the shaman that you are remote viewing all the crops and like making sure the people are taken care of, making sure there's solar power, making sure it's sustainable, making sure the water is vortexed.
2: Well, you know, the thing for me is, is, is I, I have a deep understanding of the concept of karma. And, mm -hmm. you know, I tell my students, love is a boomerang. Whatever you put out will come home to you. Yeah. And. For me to promote something on the podcast, I have to know that I'm actually enhancing a person's life. I don't give a fuck how much money you offer me. You could offer me $10 billion, and I would rather not have the money but, but be able to go to sleep at night knowing, you know, I tell people when you die, you get to experience the truth of yourself, but you get to be on the receptive end of yourself, and as a medicine man and spirit guide, I've worked with people in the death process. I've uh, had many shamanic experiences where I've asked to experience death. And I have a visceral experience of what that entails. And, you know, for me, the, the I have to be congruent. Because in order for me to do my work, anytime I'm not congruent, it creates a layer of illusion, and I don't want layers of illusion mm-hmm. inside of myself. So, you know, it took me a long time to find something uh, that I could get behind. And, and strangely enough, it turned out to be you, a guy that used to be in, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. gym in La Jolla, and uh-huh. who I ran into over these years. I'm like, holy shit, man, how strange is the world?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, it's been an amazing ride. Organifi has been around for five years. Yeah. So we started with one, uh, the green juice Mm -hmm. and we only worked on that for like
2: 14 months. So you got your your kind of your your skills built yeah. on that one. Yeah.
0: My business was at the time very much organic in nature where we were getting organic traffic for FitLife TV about 16 million hits a month. That's a lot. And we were selling information. Yes. Right? Teaching people how to juice, how to make smoothies, yeah. different plant-based alchemy. And the business, we we're losing about thirty grand the first month, and for nine months straight, I kept losing money over yeah. and over and over. Fifty grand a month at the end of it. All in all, about five hundred fifty grand I lost in nine months. Yeah. Um, and then the the field goal, you know, was the Organifi. Right. Place my first first purchase order of three thousand units with the team. We had five people on the team back then, and I just said, God, if this is it. You know, make a miracle happen. Yeah, and two weeks later, we launched Organifi, and we sold out five times of the green juice. We went from ordering three thousand units to a hundred thousand units. We've now uh, that that one skew, that one product,
2: two million people have purchased. So do you? So this this is with all these products. Yeah, and all this source material. This is a massive amount of product coming in. How, how do you do? You have a warehouse, or do you, yeah? How do you do it, or does someone? Do the formulations for you once you give them the recipes or how do you handle all that?
0: So... You never want to put all your eggs in one basket. No. So you need multiple formulators. Yeah. Because you don't want everybody holding the cards to what tastes great. Yeah. You want them to be artists. Yes. You want them to be alchemists. Yes. You want them to understand mother nature and her principles of alchemic mixes and yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then also manufacturing. Yeah. You gotta have multiple manufacturing warehouses. Yeah. You have to have multiple distribution centers. Otherwise you can
2: you can just get broken if one yeah. goes down.
0: And you're competing with Amazon. So yeah. now it's day shipping like 30 minute shipping with drones flying into your house crazy stuff you're competing against that wow so now it's the operation has expanded so much where prices go up yes and when you're dealing with organic it's generally 30 to 40 percent more when we're talking superfoods yes so you can't Get by at selling it for thirty or forty bucks because of the value is in the ingredients. It is. It's in the way that it, the food is treated. Is it's in the way that you know even the farms. But like, you
2: know the thing is, is, I tell people all the time. You know, because so many people get fixated on the price because our culture shops for food like they shop for gas. Yes. I say that's because you guys think food is nothing but energy, but you're missing one of the most important ingredients, and that's called information. Mm -hmm. Real food has information that helps direct your physiology, helps your cells have the resources to heal. If you buy cheap food, you're buying food that's confused, that's chemically poisoned, and it disinforms your body, it Mm -hmm. creates chaos in your body, and you actually save money on food that you end up spending on doctors and therapists and pills and, you know, treatment centers and all that. But the other thing is, is when you're spending money on certified organic food, your money is going back into the earth. It's actually circulating and supporting the planet. And I think, fuck, there is no better thing to invest Mm -hmm. in than the soil, because it's the future of our children. It's the future of all of us. You, you know, you are what you eat Yes, and you are what you don't excrete. Yeah. What you absorb. If you're, if you're filling yourself full of toxins that your body can't get rid of, they're going to poison you and cause all kinds of problems. If you're filling yourself full of food that doesn't have nutrition, most people don't realize it costs them more resources, more energy, and more nutrition to run junk food from mouth to anus than the food provides. So every meal, it's like you're using a credit card, but if you don't pay the debt back, it shows up. The debt collector, the mafia shows up as illness (laughs) and disease and Mm -hmm. says, here's your payback.
0: Which is running rampant now. It is. Disease is up. Heart disease is up.
2: Unbelievable. Cancer is up. Everywhere. 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 Psychological problems, depression, anxiety, suicide. It's like we're watching the whole thing spin down. Zombies. Yeah. To
0: a real real world zombie apocalypse. I walk in the airport. Yeah. People are like this, head down on their phones. They're not communicating with other people. I think one of the big side effects of fueling your body with nutrition that's organic, that's powerful superfoods, is you become vastly more aware of who you are Mm -hmm. and how you make other people feel. Yeah. I tell my employees all the time, I'm like, we're not serving food, guys. This is liquid light. It is. And if you look at ashwagandha, you look at some of these ancient Ayurvedic herbs and superfoods that we use, you'll see that the biophotons in the DNA actually shift for your light body, so you're literally becoming more aware. I think one of the greatest works that I have in front of me is changing somebody's blood, and there's nothing more cosmic than
2: that. You know, too, uh, I studied Fritz Albert Popp's work. He was the Mm -hmm. first one to identify that foods were producing photons and he showed that commercially farmed uh produce foods um emitted different frequencies of light that was very chaotic mm-hmm. and it usually if i remember right it's been years since i studied that research but it would it would dump its light and then just die but then when he analyzed organic food he found that the light was very coherent and ordered and that there was more light available it was giving more energy And it could sustain that, you know, guess what happened when he released his research? They killed him. They shut his lab down, Mm. took all of his equipment away. He was a professor in a university and they told all the people on the staff and the students do not talk to him or you will lose your position in the university. They told the other workers. It was a really sad story. Uh, he managed to get through it, but this is the kind of horse shit that goes on all the time out there.
0: Gerson, you know, talk about his labs. Yeah. In the early 1900s. they burn everything down because he was healing people of cancer at the time with yep. juicing and uh, changing the potassium levels in the blood. Like same with Harry Hoxie.
2: You ever seen the story of Harry Hoxie? Mm-mm. Oh my god, you gotta go I'm to look to it up. Acresusa.com, get the documentary called Hoxsey. Okay. He was a naturopathic physician that figured out a cure for cancer, him and his, uh, I think it was his father, or his grandfather, their horse was dying of cancer and they couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And he was getting close to dying, but they had him in a pen and they thought, well, you know, it's his last days. Let's let him roam in the pastures. Well, they noticed immediately he started eating flowers and thistles and all sorts of stuff that horses don't normally eat. And within a couple of months, the horse was completely cured of cancer So his father started writing down all the stuff the horse was eating, and then they harvested those plants and made a formula, which turned out to be a legitimate cure for cancer. (laughs) And it was so successful that the AMA approached him and said, we want to buy your cancer formula. And he said, I'll sell it to you under one condition. Anybody that cannot afford it, you will treat them anyhow. And they absolutely refused and he said, I will not sell it to you unless you agree to that. And they said, if you don't sell it to us, we're going to put you out of business. So he went into a long, long battle with the AMA and then the FDA got involved. But what they didn't realize is Harry Hoxie, uh, his family had a lot of money from the oil business and he carried a wad of $10,000 in his pocket everywhere it went so he could kept bailing himself out of jail because he could put down the cash bond for the for the bail and he was the first person to beat the AMA in a lawsuit ever. Wow. And he exposed Morris Fishbein and showed that the guy running the AMA failed medical school. And that's all he could do is administrative work. And so long and the short of it was they they kept chasing after him and pushed him into Mexico. And his clinics are, I think, still down there and they're still using his formula. but. The, the you know the point that I'm making is here's how we learn from nature. Here's what real food will do. Here's the wisdom of nature. Yeah, and here's the the dark side of the medical community.
0: Yeah, and if you look in the early 1940s and back then everybody had an organic garden. Yeah, and it wasn't until. Uh, glyphosate started being poured on everything that's yeah. an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. So it disrupts your micro gut biome. Yeah. Autoimmune conditions popping up everywhere. Yeah. Which is why most of the organic stuff that's even tested, you can go to detox.org. Yeah. And you can see that many of these things are through the roof still. Yes. But they're organic. So now you yeah. need the glyphosate free label. Yeah. Uh, to really know what you're getting Which in narrows dealing with your organics,
2: resource availability right down. Then you're
0: down to like what one to five percent of all the superfoods, yeah. all the organics that are out there. So make sure you guys, if you're looking at buying any superfoods or organic, to go to that website, check it out, make sure it's legit.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a so it's a journey. So yep. <clears throat> it, it must be very fulfilling for you to know that you're providing people with real food mm-hmm. and real life. Yes. And it must be also fulfilling for you to know that all the countless thousands of dollars you're spending each year on source material is going into the hands of people that are helping the earth heal. 100%. I can't think of a better thing to do. You know, if I didn't have an educational institution, I would do something just like that.
0: Yeah. It's important, you know, and like you said, it's, for me, it's the bigger picture of when I die. And I've had those near death experiences and dream time and whatnot. I want to know that the karma that I create on this earth is propelling me future and I get to return with more seniority than I showed up in this incarnation as.
2: My philosophy is you know, when people, what I describe as my mission in life is to leave the garden a little better than what I found it. Yeah, absolutely. uh, However, I can do that because I know what the earth is and I know why it's here. And so you know, for me, I I let my soul guiding me to the ways that I'm best suited to doing that, which in this lifetime is education. But all of us, as your book UBU yeah. shows you how to do with the soul mapping and, and what I teach my students in my PPS and my more advanced trainings, um, all of us have a uh, a piece of the puzzle that nobody else has. And when we're really doing what we came here to do, we're all making the world a better place. Mm. Yep. The world needs more people to come
0: alive. That's exactly where we are. And I think right now is a time when, you know, we're very much carbon-based bodies, but I do believe we're under a, a transition, you know, the crystalline in nature. Yes. The cellular makeup. So... Um, there's a lot of things that are happening, and I believe giving people something that is superior than what's in the market today is—it's very gratifying.
2: It is, it, it, because you know you're being honest with people. Mm-hmm. You know that's the thing. Um,
0: yeah, we it, we had uh, plastic containers for the longest time, and it ate me up because. Yeah. I saw into the future, I saw 10, 20 years from now, the seas are filled with plastic and you Not know really all these filled. species are dying because yeah. all the stuff that's out there.
2: So you switch to something so biodegradable. So we're switching
0: to biodegradable, but in the meantime, we are now using um, cane sugar, which actually sequesters carbon dioxide out of the environment. Cool. So it pulls it into the canister and we're actually giving back to the environment and helping versus being... Uh, like everybody else because yeah. everybody puts their stuff in plastic
2: well because everybody's more interested in making the money than they are yeah uh, anything else and it's a lot more money all yeah. these things all it is but look this is when you're paying for something like this you're actually paying for world healing mm-hmm. what a great way to contribute yeah i mean i'm so excited to support your products mm-hmm. You know, I recently produced a a podcast series titled The Honest Vegetarian with Mm -hmm. my senior instructor, Matt Walden, who's a very sharp guy. He's an osteopath, a naturopath, and he he studied with me for many, many years, and he is our senior instructor. And we looked into the whole issue of vegetarianism, veganism, carnivore diets, paleo diets, all the kind of diet dogmas. Yeah. I'd love to hear what your viewpoint is on these issues. In other words, what's your personal philosophy of eating when it comes to all this sort of, you know, diet craze issues? Yeah. For me, um, diets die. I don't believe in
0: one diet, right? (laughs) I think there's so many diets out there. There's, Like you said, there's the carnivore, there's the Atkins diet, there's the Drew diet, there's the yo-yo diet, there's all these diets.
2: When I wrote my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, I researched diet books. Yeah. And I I had professional researchers working for me, and I would also hire professional librarians. At that time, there was 4,000 I think 4,639 diet books available in the United States alone. And the reason I wanted to know the numbers, because I wanted to make the point, we've got 4,000 plus books on diet and we're still completely lost and confused because everybody keeps reading books about somebody else, not about them. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I'm in an, I'm in alignment with what you teach. It's, uh, Genuinely talking to my soul, yeah, and seeing what I really need as a yeah. human being. I've tested my DNA. Mm-hmm. I do. I have a phlebotomist come in once a month, so I'm mm-hmm. looking at my blood chemistry, mm-hmm. looking at micronutrients, doing stool tests, doing all the work mm-hmm. to make sure I'm in optimized mm-hmm. as a human being. Yeah. Uh, but what it very much looks like is I get eighty percent of my fuel from vegetables. Mm-hmm. I still eat wild game mm-hmm. because my ancestry is more about that. Yeah. Lots of fish. Lots of omega threes from that. Um, Lots of green juice still, celery and Mm -hmm. ginger and lemon. So I'm always alkalizing and I feel great. When I have sugar, when I do have these things, I notice it. I also track my HRV on my aura ring, on my Mm -hmm. band, on my Apple watch. I Mm -hmm. mean, I got more data than I know what to do with, with my biology, Yeah, but I'm still talking to my soul every day and seeing what I need and comparing that to my workout, my central nervous system. That's the
2: real aura ring.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) The Soul Ring,
2: yes, yeah, Soul Ring. <laughs> you know, I'd like to talk about your book Ubu. Yes, uh, you know, I sort of mentioned in the introduction. I was, uh, uh, you know, don't don't take this wrong, but when I picked this book up and started reading, and I went, "Wow, this is a a really good book." And because I think I'd always associated you with Fit TV and then with Organifi, I didn't, I'd never <clears throat> seen you express this dimension of yourself. Yeah. And as you well know, I study a lot of this stuff, practice a lot of this stuff, so I can look at a lot of books like this and tell, you know, who's writing authentically and who's cutting and pasting and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of a new age, you know, fluffy job. But I'm like, wow, you know, this book is almost identical to what I teach in my PPS Success Mastery program. And I said to Penny, I'm amazed he could pack that process into this small book Mm-hmm. And I know how hard it is to write a small book. Smaller books are harder
0: than bigger <laughs> ones. You know? Yeah. Half Um, your time spent cutting out pages that you wrote that didn't make it to the final.
2: It took me three years to write how to eat, move and be healthy. Not because I didn't have the material, but because Penny and my (laughs) assistant, Cara Burke, who is a super smart girl and brutally honest with me said, you are writing above people's heads. You're going to have to redo that. And I would get so frustrated. Like if I cut that down, it's not going to be true anymore. And they said, well, if nobody reads it, it's not true either. So I know exactly what you mean. Um, so uh, when I was reading it, I, I only saw a couple of people mentioned your, your mentor. Um, yeah. I saw your reference to Zig Ziglar. So I was curious, who were some of the formative influences that you could say now reside in you that um, were uh, moving the fingers on the typewriter to express this formula?
0: Yeah. I think um, I've always been a student. Ever since I was 15, I've been inundated with copious amounts of books, lots of occult books, Mm -hmm. Uh, Stuart Wilde back in the day, Neville Goddard, Mm -hmm. um, Joel Goldstein, you know, like I said, the Christian science experience as well. So studying Jesus, Mm -hmm. how he actually did it, reading some of the gospels, the Gospel of Thomas. Mm -hmm.
2: I've heard you talk about that before, I think. Well, Um, I I used to talk talk about the, um, the falsities attributed to Jesus and, and uh, how all those teachings have been manipulated by the church. But if you really, and this is why I often quote Deepak's book, The Third Jesus, because he wrote a book for the Christians to say, if you really want to practice Christianity, well, then here it is. Mm -hmm. Anything else is is not real Christianity. And I I just wanted to kiss Deepak for that because he 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 gave the Christians a real blow of truth, and when I say that, I don't mean all Christians, I mean people that are caught in corporate religious ideology, um, which, which is, you know, a long story we don't have to get into, but there's a big difference, you know, when you really look at the teachings of Jesus. In fact, right behind you, I've got a book called The Parallel Sayings of Jesus, Lao Tzu, Buddha, and Krishna, and it shows that they're all saying the same damn thing, Yeah, and that's What the real teachings is, you know, I tell my students, it doesn't matter if it's Jesus or Lao Tzu or Buddha or anybody, the truth always rings true inside of you. 100%. And if you just listen to whether it rings true in you as opposed to who wrote it, you know, we don't know if Lao Tzu really lived. There's no real evidence that Jesus really lived. Uh, You know, the, the list of the so called gurus that may or may not have actually walked the planet is long, but if you get caught up in that, as opposed to saying, "Well, the universe is speaking to me right now." Yeah, that's <clears throat> where the harmony's at. I was just sort of curious what were the formative forces that led to it, because you can't write a book like that unless you have yeah dig- ingested, digested, metabolized, assimilate, and lived those steps.
0: Yeah, and uh, many of those authors' works inspired me. Uh, like I said, I, I mentioned this to you earlier, not on uh, audio, but Don Juan. Uh, yes, Carlos right, Consonata's yeah. Consonida, work. Yeah. I'm training with uh, Don Javier, who has been instrumental in my Dreamtime expansion. Yeah. So now going into Dreamtime at night, getting the context, understanding waking up, lucid traveling to you know the fourth gate, mm-hmm. helping other people heal in yeah. Dreamtime as one of my gifts as well has yeah. been instrumental. So he's taught me how to do that, um, and you know I would say I collect information like into you though yeah you eventually you become the living book yeah the living book of knowledge Mm
2: -hmm. that's when it's real knowledge
0: yeah yeah so that's the goal and um yeah i've had many mentors coaches and they always show up i i am a student of life yeah i could be next to a homeless person on the street and all of a sudden a message from god comes through this, this being yeah and it's tears come out of my eyes. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you for that. I've been waiting for that for months. Yeah. They don't even know what just happened, yeah. but it's like the big you, right? Yeah. You be you, you. be you. Is talking to me yeah. and I'm going to listen. Yeah. So I'm on a journey to peel back the layers of the onion and just keep connecting to that soul, like you said. Yeah. Uh, and the deeper I go, uh, it's humbling because there's, I could live a thousand years and I'll still have a fraction of what I'm here to discover and who I'm here to help.
2: Well, it's an infinite journey. You know, a lot of people have this confused idea of enlightenment. They think when a person's enlightened that they know everything and that's the end. But, you know, we're only in one dimensional slice of an infinite dimension, dimensional uh, existence of consciousness or God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the earth plane, even if you mastered the earth plane, there's there's millions and millions of planets throughout the universe and then you get into them. In other words, there's so many ways to experience life, to experience consciousness, to experience growth. Um, you know, the word enlightenment really just means awake. And once you're awake, then you're also capable of listening. You're mm-hmm. capable of using your inner compass and you're capable of letting source guide you to the people, places, even challenges that are necessary to to grow you, mm-hmm. and I think your book's a great formula for that and in fact on on uh, page one twenty, you describe the wow goggles and uh, <laughs> reminding us to take time to see and appreciate the amazing wonders of life uh personally, the more i 've studied, explored, and practiced, and grown spiritually, the more i've used my wow goggles permanently <laughs> and see through my third eye and heart um What factors do you feel have led so many to being constantly surrounded uh, by miracles but not tending to see them? Yeah. And in other words, you know, I I love the wow goggle exercise because what you're doing is you're saying, wait, take a minute. Put on your wow goggles. Mm -hmm. Instead of your poor me goggles or I don't have enough goggles or someone did this to me goggles, those things are glued to people's heads. But, you know, just the whole concept. Of reconnecting to the mystery. Um, you know, one of the questions that a legitimate shaman asks is when did you lose your sense for the magic mystery and awe of life? And when a person can identify that, that's usually the day their disease began. Holy shit. You know, mm-hmm. there's five key questions shaman asks. That's number five in the list. But what, what as soon as I saw the wow goggle exercise, I go, well, oh, there's that's shamanism right there. Yeah. R- living large. Uh, so th- the fact that the exercise in there means people have a need for more wow. Where do you think our wow's gone when we're surrounded by it?
0: Um, when I think of God, I think of joy. Mm-hmm. And I think when, whenever you return to source as that light being that you are, you know, it's the amount of joy that you missed out on.
3: Mm-hmm. that you'll
0: be judged for right <laughs> so how much joy can i experience in every single moment yeah so by noon i'm saying something along the li- lines of wow how can it get any better than this yeah life is so amazing this is absolutely incredible and what's crazy paul is during a tough situation or a circumstance where i may go victim yeah i'm just like you know what this is the best thing that could have happened And when that happens, it's likened to that internal portal that we have, opens up and creates a different landscape in the moment. And I'm so aware of that. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in your wow goggles or you're in your third eye, uh, you're quite literally pulling yourself outside of you. Yes. The little you the little you, the ego. And Mm -hmm. when you're connected to the big you, like in you be you, yeah. Um Whole world, the whole myriad of possibilities open themselves up to you yeah. for something far greater than you could ever even imagine. Yeah. But it takes you as above, so below. Yeah. Communicating to that to the field. Yes. That you know what I'm great. I'm okay. Everything is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the Lego man, if you've ever seen the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you everything. go through life. I'm sure Mana could tell you. Yeah, me all my about girlfriend it. calls me the Lego man because <laughs> I'm just like, Everything is cool. Like everywhere I go. <laughs> and good. it's uh, you know, if you walk into Organifi, you literally get accosted at least thirty times for hugs. Yeah, great. People are hugging you, you're yeah. getting your oxytocin, yeah. everything's awesome. And when you create that energy field, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that's what the world needs more of, is to be reminded that we are the miracle, that we're living in the miracle, that everything around us is unfolding perfect in perfect harmony. Harmony is heaven, right? Yeah. And it's now. It's not waiting for someday. It is right now.
2: Yeah. You mentioned uh, something about judgment (laughs) earlier. I I just want to share my view on that god's unconditional love so the mm-hmm. whole idea that people have of judgment is a sort of a uh a leftover from uh religious confusion but what i was shown in all my work as a shaman and, and my own healing is that the only person that judges us is us mm-hmm. and because there's never going to be another drew cannoli or another paul check or another anybody god's a novelty generator nobody will ever have the same fingerprints twice no matter how many lifetimes you live you won't look exactly the same you won't have the same ideas the same relationships Mm -hmm. so ultimately at the end of the day what i've seen and experienced in my own healing is that god is totally in love with all of it Mm -hmm. there's it's all perfection it's art it's creativity it's love it's pure expression but when we get to look back on our life one of the things the closest I can see anything to judgment is when we realize I had the most amazing opportunity and I got caught in what I didn't want. And mm. I got caught in what I thought people did to me. And I got caught in victim behavior and I didn't take the opportunity to trust that God was leading me into exactly the experiences that I needed to grow and become more like source. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not A judgment like you've done something wrong bad boy bad girl it's more of a a realization of the fact that we took our wow goggles off and that everybody that was here was was the divine giving us the experiences that we ultimately wanted so then we realize when we take a body on next time what we're sure we're going to not do which is take our wild wow goggles off so quick, <laughs> you know?
0: Yes. And um, I'm glad that you see that and you have that that vision as well because it's changed my life, you know? Yeah. Given given our, our history of the past, yeah. it'd
2: be really easy to go the other way. It would be very easy. Yeah. It's very easy to, you know, numb yourself with drugs or addictions to exercise or work mm-hmm. or, you know, stress or food or sex or, you know, look at... You know the reality of it is, is that I mean I I read uh, Basil Basil Vanderklok's uh, book. I forgot the title of it. It's um, it's a book on about trauma, and he gives this to statistics of violence and uh, sexual abuse in families, and it's shocking. I mean, it's something it's like forty seven percent of families mm-hmm. have physical, emotional, mental, and sexual trauma to the children, and um, you know. I mean, I knew it was bad, but when I read that book, and he's you know, a pretty reliable guy, he doesn't play games with statistics, but it just made me realize that we all come here, and sometimes you got to learn what love isn't to really appreciate what love is. Yeah. And we also have to learn to have empathy for the fact that sometimes our parents aren't that enlightened, and they haven't healed their own pain. So oftentimes the way they're parenting us in their mind is a definite step better than the way they were parented. Mm-hmm. And But they don't really, you can't parent any better than you've healed yourself. So what I found is that it gave me a chance to have empathy and compassion for the people that wounded me, realizing they were loving the best that they could. But it if you don't grow to that point, then you can spend the rest of your life jaded. And the only way you can get rid of the pain, if you don't have spiritual practices, is to numb it. And yeah. that's why we have so much addiction. Among. So much addiction. Yeah. And
0: likened to you, the thing that really helped me is realizing that the man that tortured me was a reflection of myself Yes. in this experience.
2: Yeah. I mean, there, if God is God, then there's nothing yeah, here but God looking exactly. at God. And, and that's a hard one for us to realize. But I tell people, look, a childish view of God is that God is only good. Mm-hmm. But how could God possibly know itself unless it explores all of its potentials? It says right in the Bible and oh, Isaiah. Need to pause
0: that right there.
2: Yeah, well, you know, right in Isaiah in the Bible, Isaiah forty-five seven, which I quote a lot because it's so true. Isaiah forty-five seven says, "I create the light and the dark. I make good and evil." I, the Lord, do all these things, and it's just plain and simple, but the point I make out is is that God is unconditional love. By definition, that means there is no attachment to the outcome, but God can't become conscious of what it is, because you can't have good without bad, you can't have up without down, you can't have right without wrong. So in order for life to move and for consciousness to be experienced, you have to have both polarities or everything just goes flat.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And the whole story of Adam and Eve coming out of the Garden of Eden, getting tricked by the snake and all that stuff, is the story of God becoming conscious. And I tell people, look, don't you realize they didn't even know they were naked until they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Mm Mm-hmm the fact that they realized that they were naked means they had just first become conscious Mm -hmm. and that's what it takes in order for the universe to see and appreciate itself like a simple analogy is both of us are pretty smart guys but if we were actually asked to write down exactly how it is that we digest metabolize assimilate eliminate (laughs) grow our cells make our hair grow keep our body breathing, handle 30 billion, billion biochemical reactions a second. No, there's not a scientist in the world today that can even approach that. Mm-hmm. So when you see the the um, magic and the mystery behind it all, and you realize that the unconscious is powerful, but the unconscious isn't aware of how it's doing it. Mm-hmm. In other words, in metaphor, God doesn't know how God's doing it until a sentient being, sees, appreciates, becomes aware, and feeds that back into the universe as consciousness. Mm. So the paradox is, is God can't know that God is God until some element of God's sentient self knows that, and then it becomes conscious. And this is, he goes all the way back to Fred Hoyle, when he, through mathematical calculations and through deep quantum physics, showed the universe is a self-experience self-experiencing, self-perpetuating, self-aware living being.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that everything that's happening in the universe, so your experience as a Drew, my experience as Paul, the dog's experience as a dog, the hawk's experience as a hawk, is all in constant feedback to the universe. So it's experiencing itself and learning itself every minute, and we are all like neurons in the mind of God. Mm-hmm. So when we realize that we're part of the process, and we realize that you know, the other paradox of it is there's no God until there's God and Drew. Mm-hmm. There's no love until there's love and Drew. Everybody around you can know what God is and what love is, but until Drew knows, they can just be telling wild stories. <laughs> so, the point I'm making that's quite magical mm-hmm. is that because we're the only point of consciousness that we have for sure, we can't really know more about life or about love or about God than we experience. Mm-hmm. Other people can tell us about it, but that's like telling uh, someone that's never had sex what sex is all about and expecting that that's going to give them an orgasm (laughs) without having sex. Mm -hmm. So ultimately what I'm saying is each one of us is responsible for our wow goggles and our orgasm. And until we experience love and and creativity and beauty and wow within ourselves, then it doesn't really exist. Mm. And that's why... The Buddhists say if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make any noise? Mm. Well, logically, you say, well, of course it makes noise. If I hit a microphone in the trees in, in the forest and waited, I would hear something. Yes, but you extended your own hearing by doing that, so therefore you were there. You just used an instrument to do it. Yeah. But the reality of it is you don't know if it makes any noise until you're there, and you don't know if God is loving until you're there and you don't know if god forgives until you're there and when you do you realize that you're acting out the potentials that exist but you also have the potential to be unloving to be mm-hmm. evil and to be negative and to be dark and that ultimately takes you into acts of separation which leads to isolation yeah and there's only <clears throat> one other way to go which is back into integration and wholeness yeah wholeness is oneness wholeness is oneness mm-hmm. yeah and 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 there's not only that, not only is, is that true from our own personal experience, but now uh, you're surrounded by a room with at least several hundred books documenting that scientifically. Mm-hmm. We're at the point now where science is beginning to validate mysticism on mm-hmm. a daily basis, which is quite a freaking wild ride because a lot of people are now having to r- totally rethink what they were taught as actual fact.
0: Yeah. And we're swimming in a sea of luminous beings that are all around us right
2: now. We are. Who do you think makes the plants grow? (laughs) And if we could see that. Who do you think designed your brain and your body? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And the paradox is those beings are you. Yeah. Wow. The ego makes the illusion that the angel is is out there. Is separate. The demons out there or the spirits are out there but really what is the body it's a permeable bag of skin in which mm-hmm. you have the illusion of a sense of self but when you really get deep enough into yourself you realize that you are the angels you are the demons mm-hmm. and that the party is just absolutely mind-bogglingly comprehensive wild and unbelievable mm-hmm. you know but it's unbelievable but here we are yeah you know so it's 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 it doesn't get better than that <laughs> <laughs> you know, people complain to me about the world in my classes. The world's all fucked up. I, I just smile and say, "Okay, I got a task for you. Then make a better one." Yeah, make a world where everybody gets exactly what they want, whether they're realizing it or not. Where you can become a Madonna, a Christina Aguilera, a Arnold Schwarzenegger, a Mother Teresa, a Mahatma Gandhi, a Buddha. You can become whatever you want to become, and people have come from the lowest places to become the most loving and capable people. And we have billions of examples of possibility around us all the time. Um, Food grows if you take care of the soil. Animals love us. Plants love us. We get to love them. Mm -hmm. People that think the world is all fucked up um, are only looking at the fucked up. But as Jung says, no tree can grow to heaven until its roots reach to hell, and those two polarities need each other.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So it's not about making the world uh, different than it is. It's just about choosing what you want to put into the world, Mm, and it mirrors it back to you. Yeah, yeah
0: beautiful
2: i mean this thing's been here for billions of years it's seen every act of silliness you can imagine mm-hmm. and she still loves and and gives us her uh, empathy and compassion and food and keeps us alive right so absolutely I, I tell people when you can come up with a better world than this one i'll be the first person to bow down and kiss your feet <laughs> but, you, you, but i've looked into this uh-huh um In the introduction to UBU, you you touch on the fact that many of our diet choices and seemingly endless cravings are the product of deeper issues. I'd love to hear your views on what some of these key deeper issues are and how you approach them.
0: Yeah. So I think uh, things that are running rampant in our society today would be like anxiety, depression, which you talk about, right? Yeah. Um, And there's an emotional reason for a lot of that, I believe. Yep. I think depression is the result of de rest or taking a break from your true self.
2: Yeah, it's a great way to look at yeah. it. Yeah.
0: So when people return to who they really are, when they return to wholeness, there's the polarity. Oddly enough, yeah, they're no longer craving the things that they once craved yeah. because it's bigger than that. Yeah. Um, anxiety, uh, is generally what is it living in the past? Yeah. And then, um, Or Or guilt. Guilt is living in the past. Anxiety is living in the future about a potential possibility that hasn't happened
2: yet. Yeah. Anxiety is basically being afraid of what tomorrow brings and depression is thinking that tomorrow, yesterday is tomorrow. Yeah. In other words, what happened yesterday is going to keep happening, Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is fear that you're not going to like what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I believe that's Matt Kahn's teaching.
0: Yeah. Kahn's awesome. Good buddy. Mm. Great, great guy. I'd love to interview him. Yeah. I, sh- I can shoot him a text after this. I'd if love you it. want me to. Yeah, I'd love Good to. Good guy. Him.
2: I, I really appreciate his teachings. I think he's for real.
0: He's all love, man. That yeah. guy, when I first met him, it's just little Buddha. Yeah. That guy. He's
2: got that energy. I've listened to a couple of interviews with him.
0: Yeah, and, and there's like this uh, penny that drops when mm-hmm. he really gets in. Yeah. It's like a light switch. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, there's the Matt Kahn that's going to be smoking medicinal tobacco with us. Yeah. But then you sit him down, and all of a sudden, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. Like there's God. There it is. Yeah. I've been waiting for this. Like talk to me some more. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I yeah. love that.
2: Honing in on his gifts. I love it when people use their gifts like that. Exactly. Because yeah. when they use their gifts, they become everyone else's gifts. Yeah. And there there's the love of boomerang. Yeah. Open open source, the code. So what you're saying then is that you you feel that a lot of this um uh deeper issues is inner work emotional mm-hmm. yeah so um people are basically trying to fill a void with food that can't be filled with food yeah and it's simple
0: like asking yourself the question why am i craving this at this time yeah. and letting your soul answer it yeah letting yourself your true self give you the answer to where it no longer pings you or triggers you and really journaling or doing the work yeah of figuring out what it is mm-hmm. and then allowing that to let go the catharsis or whatever needs to happen. So where it's no longer affecting you as the human vehicle that you are.
2: I tell my students that it's important to realize the physical body feeds on food, the emotional body feeds on emotions and the mental body feeds on thoughts. Mm -hmm. So if you're emotionally hungry or you're mentally not stimulated, like Working at a job that you don't love, or having to study things that your parents wanted you to study, but you're not interested in them, or you're uh, staying in relationships for the wrong reasons, you'll become emotionally hungry. Then the person who doesn't have enough connection to their emotional and mental self naturally thinks that they're hungry for food. So they try to eat to heal emotional uh, sadness or emotional pain, and they try to eat to fill a mental void. Mm-hmm. And so what I do in my work and what I teach my students to do is analyze their emotional life and their mental life and see where the hunger is at that level. And I've found when you actually address emotional needs with emotional nutrition and mental needs with the right mental stimulation, that the body usually comes right back online and they don't have all these cravings for, for the, the stuff that is overloading the system or is wrong for the system. I love that.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, everything you eat is a reflection of what is really satisfying. Yes, and am I satisfied by the uh, what are those things? The Twinkies, yeah, all that sugary junky. You know, you get all those neuro uh, chemicals and the yeah. different things that are associated with it, only to crash again.
2: And they're highly engineered to be addictive. Yeah, totally. You know, so you're you're you know you're getting cheap poison that addicts you. It's it's you you just like. A fish that keeps biting a hook and wondering why you end up on a dinner plate, but not realizing if things are too flashy, uh, you might want to think twice, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, um, on page uh, seven of your introduction, you talk about the real challenges with social media and the relationships that people develop through social media systems. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the yeah. etiology of these challenges and what suggestions you have for people that find their productivity diminishing due to spending too much time interacting through social media not to mention all the game technologies that people tend to get addicted to. So yeah. where do you think all this sort of fake relationship is coming from and 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 uh what's your take on the paradox that people can have, you know, 150 friends but then yeah. Be clinically tested by psychologists and and find that they're depressed and they feel terribly alone.
0: Yeah. I think um, one of the biggest epidemics facing society today, it could be the biggest, is loneliness. Yeah. People feel alone. And it's not because there's not an abundance of people. What is it? 7.625 billion people on this planet right now. Something crazy. Yeah, I
2: didn't know it had crossed the 7 billion mark. I usually just say about 7 billion.
0: Yeah, so there's more than enough people to create connection, but we're not doing it. And yeah. there's whole departments inside these huge social media companies that are dedicated to creating the gamification and the stimulation using neurochemicals to keep you addicted. Looking like this,
2: yeah. Have you seen Near Isles book, Hooked? Not yet. Oh, no. It explains the science of exactly yeah. how they do it. I interviewed him. You'd find the interview quite good. I'll have
0: to check out the interview. Yeah. People are developing tech neck and all these things because they're like this all day long, but yeah. they're not checking in with their loved ones.
2: You know, when I read his book hooked yeah the, the first thought is that you know if we really had a government all this stuff would be illegal mm-hmm. but this is all big science paid for by large corporations yeah. designed to completely take people's minds over and suck money out of their pockets and it's 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 kind of like fishing with dynamite it's, it really it's is not fair to the yeah. fish you know. yeah
0: yeah yeah because <laughs> you're utilizing a system that puts people very much in control you're easier to control when you're looking like this all day. Well, it puts you out phone. of control,
2: puts the people yeah. developing the technologies in control for sure.
0: Yeah. And the think of the subconscious recommendations that can be made on these platforms.
2: I tell people all the time, you know, they, they so-called ban subliminal programming on television, but what they didn't tell you is that light has an infinite capacity to carry information and they just made you think they stopped doing still it they're there. just doing it a much better job of it yeah
0: you can't see it you because can. you can only see less than one percent of fractal light or whatever but yeah. it's still there it sees you yeah it sees you Yeah, and it's showing up in the way of your reality yes so if you're getting these erratic emotions and these things that are coming up there's a good chance that whatever you're witnessing yeah is impressing upon your mind and creating that yeah um yeah so people feel very alone with these social media things yeah And I think um, it's definitely something that I've adjusted over the past couple of years because my work requires it. Yes. I got to advertise on social media. This is where I connect to people. So I should be the one checking in, spending, Mm. you know, my phone data used to say five hours a day on my cell phone. That's That's insane. That's a lot, man. That's insane. But I've changed it. Uh, There's this thing you can do with your cell where you turn it all into a red light. Mm -hmm. So you're not getting the same dopamine hits of uh, getting on your cell phone every time, looking at Facebook or Instagram. It's a real easy switch. You just press the home button three mm-hmm. times, boom, red light. And then it's boring. Yeah. Like social media becomes boring to you, and you don't have to look at it as much.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I I have a lot of patients and students that ask me for help with, yeah. you know, how do I get off this phone? I'm addicted. They know they're addicted. And I say it's real simple. And one of the most common things I hear is I use it for my business. So how yeah. in the world do I reduce my time on it? And I say it's simple. Think of it as a tool. Mm-hmm. When you're done using a hoe in your garden, do you carry it around everywhere? Do you keep talking <laughs> to it? Do you take it to bed? Uh huh. Well, get clear on what your dream is, what your goals are, and what your objectives are for the day. Share your love in meaningful ways, and but get clear on what you need to be a whole person. And when you're done hoeing the garden on your phone, put the hoe down and go read a book or watch something inspiring or do some yoga, some breathing, a cold bath, work out, climb in the mountains, make love, paint, dance, sing, mm-hmm.
0: live. Yes,
2: you know. So for me, it's like the technology is a useful tool, but you just have to not let it make you into its tool Mm -hmm. and that you know for me that's part of being an adult i tell people an adult is someone who says what they mean and means what they say
3: Mm -hmm.
2: so if you tell yourself okay i'm only going to use this for uh, in ways that are supportive of my life but you keep not doing it it means that you're a child and now the phone becomes your mommy and daddy Mm -hmm. and that's how religion works except for the eastern religions there's no daddy in the sky it's you yeah but if you're caught in, in corporate Judaism, Christianity, or Islam, then you always have an external daddy controlling you. And, if, and, and because about Ken Wilber's research shows about 70% of the whole world population is at that level of conscious development, so all you do is recreate the same thing with a phone, and you got them.
0: Wow. Yeah, and I like what you said. For me, I've often studied uh, Toltec wisdom, so uh-huh, power yeah. of word. Mm-hmm. So if I say I'm going to do something, I just do it. Yeah. Like If I'm not going to be on my phone Sunday, I put my phone away. Yeah. Uh, when I work, I work for about three hours a day, 50-minute intervals, 50 minutes on, yeah. 10 minutes off. Yeah. And during those 10 minutes, I'm either rebounding, I'm getting uh, – Jumping in the cold plunge, maybe I'm playing the Native American flute, yeah. Whatever I'm doing during those ten minutes to revitalize my whole self, yeah. And then I come back focused for fifty minutes again, yeah. But social media time isn't outside of that. I have thirty minutes that's part of that fifty minute interval every day. Good. And I just, you know, I'll have Jocelyn, my assistant, or somebody record for me, and then it's uploaded later and and mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. Starting out, it's tough though. Beginning entrepreneurship, yeah. You really need to.
2: That's the look warrior at it like phase. a tool. Yeah, yep. it's the warrior phase where you've got to work hard. But if you're not healthy and vital, yeah, then the working hard basically just ends your career. So it's you, not worth you, it. You know, you build something up, but as you know, there's always challenges. You know, we, we all go. Hegel's philosophy showed that there's thesis, our idea, mm-hmm. um, antithesis, the challenges of making it work right? You yeah. had to go through challenges to make organify work. I have to go through challenges to make you know mm-hmm. everything. To make it real, there's always challenges. So thesis becomes antithesis. That's the work of, of giving it life and testing it and making sure it works. Then there's synthesis. And that means, okay, now I've done the work to make it go. But if a person's not healthy in the developmental phase of the business, the antithesis phase where they have to get all the kinks out of it, meet with people, come up with money, you know how hard it is to build a business, then people end up getting sick and not finishing and and their business collapses and then they're in mm-hmm. financial catastrophe because they don't have the resources to make it through the anti-thesis phase. But but that's the warrior element. We, yeah. we have to uh, have the strength and the clarity to know what we've got to do to manage ourselves so we can do the work of, you know, every idea I tell my students is like, giving birth to a child. If you're not ready to parent your child, then the child's going to exhaust you and you're going to be frustrated with your own idea. Mm -hmm. So if we don't learn to use these tools in ways that are nourishing, then we end up becoming um, somebody that turns 30 and looks behind themselves and sees nothing. And then you turn 40 and you go, what the hell have I done with my life? Then you turn 50 and you go through a whopper of a midlife crisis mm-hmm. in my case my midlife crisis wasn't because i hadn't done anything it was because i had devoted myself th- so thoroughly to doing everything that i lost my sense of self wow where i was living on airplanes and constantly giving my time and energy to myself but i had to bring some space into my life for the little boy and me to paint and mm. do the things that made me feel good and that's ultimately what healed me so um we can burn ourselves out by not contributing effectively to our own life and to the lives of others, but we can also burn ourselves by getting caught in identifying ourselves by what we do, as to yep, as opposed to you being you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, and I think Paul, like what you said auditing yourself at least every month and asking the question, what do I not enjoy? Yeah. Because enjoy, enter with joy. Everything that I do, I want to be entering with joy. Yeah. And that's not going to burn me out.
2: You have a a list in there for that. It's called what, the being list?
0: That's in the book. Yeah. Yeah,
2: uh, you, You show like what are the activities where you're truly being? Um it was in the later stages of the book. I might have a question on that in here, but cool. Um, I, you know, as I read the book, I thought, wow, there is a lot of real tools in here. I mean, there's no way Drew could write this book unless he's walked this path because it's, you, you could find these kinds of ideas in any book, but what you can't find is them synthesized into a small enough book that it's digestible. And, into a plan that's actually doable. Mm -hmm. Anybody that really wants to find themselves and and become creative again and and find love and contribute to the world, I think um, this book is a fantastic place uh, to do it. And uh, so that's why I'm so excited to talk to you about Mm this. Um, You know, on page 124 of UBU, you have a lovely section titled, titled The Power of Gratitude, and it made me think of Matt Kahn's teachings on complaining and how he says complaints are generally untapped potentials for our creativity, inviting us to be more creative. And um, mm-hmm. I watched one of your videos um, on on uh, Fit TV where you showed how you start your day and you mentioned giving gratitude. And I do the same thing every morning and yeah. night. Uh, what do you feel has led to all the perpetual complaining in a time when things are really quite amazing in general? and uh, how do you feel having um, gratitude uh, and or generating gratitude works to free us from complaining and leads us to more connection in life? Yeah. What do you think? What's the magic in gratitude? I certainly have my own opinions, but obviously you practice that. So I'm like, okay, I want to hear what Drew's. Yeah. What, what inspires Drew? What happens when you give gratitude that creates an experience that says, this is something that needs to be done regularly Mm.
0: i like to look at gratitude as a bank account yeah so the more gratitude we have the more we're investing on a future potential so every day there's i'm required to go in gratitude start the day with gratitude and i feel like uh i believe it's abracadabra as i speak it it is created Mm -hmm. so when i say it out loud i'm literally calling forth what i wish for yes so if i want more uh, sex. I'm going to talk about how great my sex is in my relationship. And if I want more money, then I'm going to see abundance everywhere I go. Yes. I'm going to literally put money out on the table. I'm going to observe it. My subconscious is going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So everything I do that I want more of in this life experience, I'm going to uh, get grateful for it, even before it comes.
2: You know, this technically even before is it comes. by definition, this is magic. Yeah. Spelt with a K. Mm -hmm. M-A-G-I-C is creating illusions, but M-A-G-I-C-K is using the power of consciousness to create the experiences and the truth that you choose to have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, Ken Wilbert quotes Sri Aurobindo, who who, uh, he talks about Sri Aurobindo because he grew up in India where there's a lot of masters and there's a lot of pseudo-masters. So Sri Aurobindo was curious as to, What was it that made a master a real master? So he spent a lot of time researching all these masters, and he found that there was four qualities that made a master a master. One, they drew their power from unconditional love. They didn't heal people themselves. Mm -hmm. Two, they could turn a negative into a positive. Three, they could all create beyond the laws of physics. And four, they created equanimity and harmony wherever they went. What you're describing is creating beyond the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. And people forget that your mind operates beyond the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. You can jump as high as you want to in your mind. You can fly in your mind. You can have sex with every beautiful woman that ever lived in your mind. We can do anything in Mm -hmm. our mind, but if we energize it with enough focus, and in my system, I I tell people, remember, love is a boomerang, so don't just ask God what God's going to give you. Always be clear about what you're going to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I mm, I love that when I asked Great Spirit for support to build the institute, I said, I will devote my love and my life to helping others experience the joy and the clarity that I experience so that they can find you like I have. But most people just have a gimme, gimme, gimme list, right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm really saying is having studied magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, not creating illusions, but Using the power of of the superconscious to create, you're you're actually describing the practice of magic as mm-hmm. gratitude.
0: Yeah, and out picturing the present situation. Yeah, so that is magic in effect. Yes. So always, no, regardless of the situation, I'm always looking at it in the most favorable outcome, and I go to the room of wishful thinking often, every day, mm-hmm. twenty minutes at least. Yeah, seeing the best possible scenario, not for just me, but for all sides. Yeah. So knowing that it's blessed by Mother Nature herself yes. and you know, Father Sky and the different things that we get into, yeah. and then seeing that unfold over time and adjusting if I need to with the thought.
2: Yes, because then when you use that technique, so if you vision that you've had a beautiful day mm-hmm. and that you've had a great meeting and that you've uh, you know had a great workout... And then somebody gets in the way and tries to sidetrack you or sell you something you don't want or tells you how great some video game is or whatever. If you've already pre-seen your day, then you already know what to say no to because it wasn't in the the, mm-hmm. the, the plan. Yes. And I show people and my students, I say, look, if you want to learn to edit your day, first you have to get a clear sense of where you're going, who's involved, what you're willing to experience and what you're not willing to experience. People invite you into dark emotions. People invite you into arguments. People invite you into eating junk food all Mm -hmm. day long. But, you know, your yes has no value until you learn to say no. So when Mm. you get your compass bearings, then stick to your compass bearings and be brave enough to say no to people that want to sidetrack you. And if you get sidetracked by them, then you're not teaching the world how to live in love. You're teaching the world how to get sidetracked. Mm. And the, they don't need more of that.
0: I love that. And I believe the more personal power we have with our word and the more integrity. Yeah. Um, I used to do this practice where I would, I called it like day scripting mm-hmm. where I'd write out my ideal day yes. the night before. Mm-hmm. And I let my subconscious, I'll say, sub, I need you to go to work on this. Yes, This is what I'm working on. Yeah. And I would come up with three things or whatever it is. Yeah. And I would write out the people that were involved and what they were going to say. And it was almost like writing a movie. Yes, And then the next day it's like, boom, the movie appears in front of the prefrontal cortex and the landscape, and now we're here. Yes. Exactly what I wrote, word for word, this
2: person saying the thing. Creating beyond the laws of physics. Yeah, magic. You create up there first, and you embody it here. Yeah. You know, if you look at the best definition of mind I've ever found by Dr. Daniel Siegel, a psychiatrist, mind, an embodied Mm -hmm. and relational process that regulates the flow of energy and information. I love that. Mind and embodied means whatever you think with enough intention and focus, you embody. Mm. It attracts matter, space, and time to itself. And relational, you're in relationship with your own mind. That's why you can say, I have one. Mm -hmm. And you're in relationship with every person, place, and thing around you. And it regulates the flow of energy and information, which is what creates the entire cosmos. 100%. So if we learn to use our mind, we become uh, white magicians. And I've studied, you probably
0: studied this too, but the ancient, um, the Kybalion, the three initiates. Yeah, the Kybalion.
2: The Kybalion.
0: Yeah. Yes, I've studied it extensively. Super powerful. Hermetic teachings. I
2: have a whole system of alchemy. If you look behind you, uh, right there, that's... See that stack of books right there, and all. Yeah, those, I see it right there. That, mind and matter. Those are alchemy. all alchemy studies, and then you got sacred agriculture, the alchemy of um, biodynamics. Um, I've got many books on alchemy. I've studied it for years, and I use it, and I teach it to my students. And check holistic lifestyle coach wow. level two. You learn the basic principles of alchemy as it relates to human physiology, so cool. emotions, and the mind. Yeah, so cool. It is. It's the real deal. It I mean, is. People think this is kind of like movie stuff. Cut but the BS. The movie stuff came after the real stuff. Uh-huh. You
0: know, Oh, the movie like The Secret? Yeah. Like all, The Law but, of Attraction or, or, and all those Or other even
2: uh, Harry Potter. I mean, yeah. all these things that seem magical and mystical that people think are stories are actually built on the principles of what really does already happen in the mm-hmm. world. It's just that most of us spend so much time watching people on television that aren't worth devoting our time to and don't pay enough attention to the people that you have to go looking for yeah. and read books about and f- go find. I mean, to, the quest for real wisdom, it, it takes effort. You know, We have to dig for <laughs> diamonds in the earth. They don't just jump on our plate. The mm-hmm. problem is the media is making so much money off of illusion that You're not likely to find some of this stuff and thank God for Gaia TV because they've got a lot of people like Teresa Bullard and Greg Braden and Joe Dispenza and, a long list of other great people. In yeah. fact, I recently had a show on there um, on with Ben Stewart. Oh, very cool. Yeah, on The Healing Matrix, it's called. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I watched
0: I've, one last night with uh, Doris Cohen uh-huh. on dreams. Yes, I,
2: I've, right, I've studied her book. I use mm-hmm. her dream interpretation system, Dreaming on Both Sides of the Brain is the yeah. title of her book. Yeah. Very, very good stuff. So thank God there's some of that going on. But we, we need, uh, you know, uh, Gaia needs to be, the next CBS yeah. or, or NBC or major network because mm-hmm. you know the, the, uh, the illusion generators uh, unfortunately make a lot of money because, quite frankly, people love illusions and they don't realize they're, they're in one. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like uh, the movie Truman Show with Jim Carrey back in the day. I didn't see that one. Oh, my God. mindbender. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Everything's an illusion for sure. I'll have to check it out. Let's see. Um, you know, on um, you you talk about coming into alignment with our true selves. I'd love to hear your definition of our true self and how you differentiate one's spirit or soul from one's true self, and some of the ways you suggest uh, people come into alignment with their true self. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people use words like soul and higher self and God with the assumption that everybody else understands what they mean. But uh, right here, there's over 120 books on the soul, and I've studied it extensively, and you won't find two books that say the same thing about the soul. And I've got countless books on God, and there's no agreement on that. There's piles of confusion about what the higher self is. So what I wanted to take this chance so that anybody that reads your book and say okay when drew's talking about the higher self or the true self he's now i know what he's talking about so how share your process of that so
0: it's what we were talking about earlier when you're tuned in to your high self when you're your selfless self your over soul whatever you want to call it the ego takes a back seat yeah and i believe that is what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. i'm talking about the uh, the you that came here before all these limitations, all this indoctrination, all of the personal power that you had when you first incarnated, yeah, um, and remembering—it's a re-remembering every day. Yes, and it's getting back to that. It's that unbridled childlike joy, mm-hmm. having that pure heart, yeah, having that balance between masculine and feminine, yeah, uh, knowing thyself, yeah. right? Like really knowing that. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going with that
2: that's the that's the the journey, but a lot of people don't know how to do that process yeah. so tell me what do yeah. you do? what do you have to so, do to shift from ego to higher yeah. self so that I can hear it and so, so they can hear it
0: It's what you do right um Now, obviously, you are a gifted shaman, and you help people with plant ceremonies and everything that you do. Mm -hmm. One of the things you have to do is go into the darkness.
2: Yes, of course you do. You got to
0: face that shadow. Yeah. So I look at limitations that people have built up in their mind, Mm -hmm. and then you start uh, decoding it, looking at when they first acquired that limitation, Mm -hmm. uh, what was it, and how is that uh, creating a glitch in the program? And that's part of your detox section. Yeah, that's part of the detox. I remember
2: reading that. And of course, yeah. I already know what you say in here, but yeah, I want to give you a chance to, to it's a good share interview. it. Yeah, uh, you, you know, because these are important things. I mean, yeah. otherwise, it's just another conversation about another book by another author. Exactly. But I love hearing, uh, you know, how do you engage that higher self, and how do you put the ego? How do you distinguish between the two?
0: Yeah, I think it's um, eventually over time. If once you start doing it long enough, you get to this place where there's this knowing yeah. that just comes. Mm-hmm. We talk about clarisentient, clairvoyant, yeah. like the different psychic um, psychic gift yeah. giftings that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this knowing,
2: yes, where you feel it. Yeah, there is a sense of connection, a sense of wholeness, a sense of safety. Really, yeah. I tell people when you're in connection with your own soul, which is synonymous with the higher self in my language there's a sense of truth that goes beyond needing to even think about it. Yeah. And your body feels aligned. It's Mm. as though someone's came along and balanced you so you can stand effortlessly. And the thing that I teach people is one of the key reasons that meditation is so important is because meditation is the practice of detaching yourself from the ego's constant chatterboxing. Yes. But if you don't practice getting outside of it and witnessing it, then you can never differentiate when you're in it or outside of it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Once you're outside of the chatterboxing and all the you know mom and dad's voices and the bosses and the people that criticized us and hurt us, mm-hmm. those voices are just alive and on fire. And Jung refers to those as complex, which are um emotionally charged neural networks that develop artificial intelligence and they become real voices They become in your, real. They become yeah. real. But if we practice meditating and distancing ourselves from them, to distance ourselves, we actually have to go into the silence because those things are the noise. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that I'm listening to my higher self when I get to the place where something miraculous happens and that silence begins to speak and the experience of silence speaking is very different i love that than the ego speaking or the programming speaking because when the programming speaking there's actually activity inside of yourself and i show my students i say look just put your hands right next to your head now hum a novel tune go ahead and try this you'll be amazed at how easy it is okay now just feel the energy and just make up a tune and see which hand starts to feel the energy moving. Mm. Make something up, like yeah. a, like a tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not made up. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be novel. Oh. Okay. Whoa. Okay, good. Whoa. Now, before you tell me anything. Okay start adding up by threes and pay attention to what's happening in which hand. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no, mm-mm. just add by threes. 3 6 nine, <laughs> three. I'm still humming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like to hummer. Wow. Then switch back to making a novel tune. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Can you feel it switching hemispheres? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Both of them. So Back and forth. It's like this small vibration of each one.
2: Yeah. So the, if, if for most people, the right yeah. brain is the brain of novelty and creativity. So when you're humming a tune, you'll feel the energy in your right hand because you're actually doing what an electroencephalogram does. Yeah. And wow. when you start adding up by threes, which is mathematical logical, you feel your left hemisphere works. work. So what I'm showing you is through little techniques like this, you actually become aware of when you're generating thoughts inside of yourself. Mm -hmm. But when your higher self is speaking to you, none of that activity is there, but paradoxically, you're being spoken to. So you can test it. So You can test it. Get out of here. You can just learn to relax. And through practicing, you learn what I call the ego signature, and then you learn the soul signature. The ego signature is always one of activity and vibration and, and movement, but the soul speaks from this place of dead silence. And When you get there, it's a mystery. Like, how is this happening? How can I possibly be hearing a voice or seeing an image being projected to me by my soul, Mm -hmm. but feel no activity in the domain of the brain or the ego? Well, that's because you're working with something that's beyond the laws of physics.
0: Yeah. Consciousness is outside of you.
2: It's inside of you and outside of you. But the point is, is that we have an active participation in our own follies but we don't realize it. That's why it's called being unconscious. But if you practice witnessing your thoughts and meditation, like I do at night in the sauna and you obviously do, then you get to the point where you're actually sitting outside the folly. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So paradoxically, the activity, we'll call that the activity on a soccer field, you can be sitting in open meditation on the edge of the field, watching the whole game, but not getting caught up in any of it and saying, oh, isn't that beautiful? Look at that. Look at this. But meanwhile, you're not kicking the soccer ball, and you may not even be getting excited like some people are, but you're just witnessing. Mm -hmm. And once you practice being outside, observing, but not attaching, you develop the skill of recognize when you're generating the story that's either enabling you or disabling you. And you know, I remember Deepak Chopra cited research that showed the average person thinks 68,000 thoughts a day I saw that. of which 90% were found to be negative. Wow! So if that's the average person's ego going at itself and all of the trauma speaking, then it's safe to say that if that's what we're putting our awareness on, that's what we're going to create.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so by by getting to this place of stillness where Source can speak to us, i.e. the higher self, Mm -hmm. then we can actually trust because we're not generating the information. And what I've found, and I'm sure you have too, have you found that the more you let your higher self guide your life, the more amazing it is? It's positive. The higher self
0: is positive seeks joy. It seeks happiness. For me, in the beginning, one thing I did, Paul, is I wrote down sticky notes and Uh I put them all over my windows and my house. I put them in my closet so that my subconscious mind could auto-suggest those thoughts. I laid out a recording I would listen to before I went to bed. You are doing great. You're complete. You're whole, all these affirmations. But connecting in meditation, like you're talking about, that's like a shortcut to your higher self. It just, there's really no need for that because- The higher self is always seeking positive joy. Like, well, you know, the thing
2: is, I do things like that too. I say use all the tricks that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Because the subconscious is wickedly powerful. And once it gets fear programmed into it and sadness and victim behavior, then it really, you know. Neural networks don't just change overnight. You know, your body, yeah. your body actually believes these things are important because you know who wants to get bit by the same snake twice,
3: mm-hmm.
2: or punched by the same dad or stepfather, or uh, you know, belittled by the same boss twice. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: there, there's a real reason that we have all these networks in place. But the problem is, if we're not careful, we actually start believing that that's what all of life looks like.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So because the unconscious is so powerful, I think all the techniques that you're talking about, I think ultimately end of the day, if you just make an effort, yeah, however, then you're making an effort in the right direction and your heart and your soul knows that. And so it doesn't I tell people it doesn't matter how you get to God, God never judges the bus. In other words, if you get there in a hippie bus or <laughs> a tour bus I love or that. a jet plane, yeah, or on a psychedelic, or through pain and trauma, or through giving birth, or through dancing yourself into ecstasy, or for giving yourself away to the people like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and those have it, God never judges the bus. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to use sticky notes, if you want to use meditation, if you want to use dance, if you want to use um, you know anything that you can use out of honesty and not just putting another layer of illusion onto yourself, yeah. I think is the way to go. One of my mentors, Jim Fortin, um, talked about
0: logical levels, yes. adults, logical levels. So shifting your identity, yes. starting at the identity level mm-hmm. is always the most powerful. Yeah. Versus beliefs versus some of the other um, levels in the period like environment is number one. Mm-hmm. So changing your environment. So critical. Yeah. And you can work your way up the logical levels until the identity shifts. Yes. And once the subconscious knows that the identity has changed, it yeah. will never go back to the way that it once was. Yeah. Powerful stuff.
2: It is. Well, Drew, I'm having a great time with you, buddy. It's lovely to share with you. And and you know, I think too, I want to share with the listeners it's you're not just hearing a conversation but you're hearing a conversation with a guy who's very successful and who come from tough beginnings and uh, the kind of beginnings most people use as an excuse to give up on themselves and give up on life and you know through fit life tv and through organify uh, countless millions of lives have been enhanced and mm. and improved and beautified and mm. um so you know i'm saying this because a lot of people listen to conversations like this and say these guys are just wacko or you know hippies or (laughs) you know stoned or whatever but you you know if that was true then there's no way you could create what you've created and there's no way i could create what i've created Mm -hmm. just like you i've devoted my life to the service of the world and to people and to to nature and so you know there's an old saying the proof's in the pudding and and If we didn't have the pudding, then this would be Mm airy-fairy. So my last question I want to ask you to finish this beautiful interview is, in your intro, you talk about permission to be you and nobody but you. In my classes at the Czech Institute, I'm constantly interacting with students who are afraid to truly live and be themselves. In fact, most are really lost as to who they are as unique beings. Can you share your thoughts and feelings on the concept of being you and nobody but you, mm. and the consequences of being trying to be somebody else other than you? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: when I speak at different events, I have permission slips. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that I hand out to people. Permission to yeah, permission to permission granted to be to be yourself to be
2: yourself, oh, and good.
0: whatever that looks like. So it's a permission slip, and then they fill in the blank of whoever is big, is audacious, is extreme, is radical, is woo-woo, is airy-fairy as you want to be. Yeah. You write it down, and you're giving yourself the permission to be that. Yes. And I think um, what robs humanity more than anything is there's so many cookie cutters out there. Yeah everybody wants to be somebody else. They, they want to be Tony Robbins. They yes. want to be Gary Vee. Yeah. They want to be all these icons that they see. Yeah. Well, inside of them, like you said, there's no fingerprint that could ever be recreated. They incarnated a, a billion times. Right. It's source expressing itself. Yeah. So in that, what we need is more people to come alive to who they really are. And when they live from that way, it, everything opens up. It's like life becomes so much easier when you're not struggling to be something that you're not.
2: Right. You know. You know. There's a a, a teaching story in Buddhism, and they it, they say if you put twelve enlightened people at a round table with a bouquet of multicolored flowers in the middle of the table, and ask each of them to describe what they're seeing, you'll get twelve different descriptions. Mm-hmm. People think that when you're enlightened, that that everything's you see everything the same, and that you 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 can see on the other side of the flowers, and that somehow you're not human anymore, but that's just totally not true. Enlightened mm. just means awake, but the key point is you get twelve enlightened people that have twelve different perspectives, and everyone learns something about what they can't see from the other person and no matter how enlightened you are, you don't have the same perspective as Dustin Depurnis says beautifully in his book, Streams of Wisdom, which is a study of consciousness and how consciousness evolves, and it's a study of of so-called enlightened masters. And what he showed, very interestingly, he said, if you take somebody that's an enlightened Christian, they will never say they see Buddha Mm -hmm. in a deep spiritual experience, and a Christian will never see Muhammad. So what he shows is that each of us has a unique mental, emotional, internal matrix or framework through which we perceive the world and, and reality in our experiences so what i'm saying is is because god's a novelty generator every one of us has skills abilities and ways of perceiving that nobody else has mm-hmm. and if you keep trying to be somebody else you're stopping the universe from experiencing the very very experience that it wanted to have by creating you mm-hmm. so if we focus on Finding our gifts and 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 cultivating them, we not only feel more whole and more in love with ourselves, but we carry that unique gift into the world. And when you look at great people like Steve Jobs and and all the great beings, whether they be an Albert Einstein or you know, there's a long list of them. They were all themselves. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs was not trying to be Bill Gates. Thank the Lord, not at all. You know, and um but mahatma gandhi was not trying to be paramahansa yogananda even though paramahansa yogananda taught gandhi how to meditate mm-hmm. so what happens is is we you know yogananda taught gandhi how to meditate which allowed gandhi to be even a better gandhi mm-hmm.
3: uh,
2: you know we teach people how to take advantage of the beauty that we carry and by sharing that with them they expand the view and the perception and the, they get more tools to cultivate their genius. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people need to remember is that we're all geniuses. Absolutely. It, it's just a matter of you doing the inner exploration to find what your genius and I don't. I think you'd agree. The fastest way to find your genius is just to be honest about doing the things you love to do. Mm-hmm. You do the things you love to do,
0: yeah. and you surround yourself with people that you love. Yeah, and you surround yourself with images, symbols, yes, that remind you of who you are. I, yes. ca- I can't walk through Paul Czech's house and not see these sacred ornaments and these faces. Of uh spiritual mystics of the past, yeah. Mother Teresa, you know, Gandhi, these other ornaments that you have to yeah. remind and impress upon you yes. of who ultimately you are. Yeah, and well, it's they made you a better me, vision. They yeah.
2: remind me of of the fact that they're expressing a lot of the divine. And if it is mm-hmm. the divine, that it is in the oneness. And if it's in the oneness, which I'm an expression of then when I need to be more like Sister Chang Koon or Marshall Rosenberg or Gandhi or his wife or Chief Joseph or Martin Luther Mm -hmm. or Albert Schweitzer, et cetera, then I say, okay, I need a little bit of that power right now. Mm -hmm. I need the wisdom of a chief or I need to know when to act nonviolently even though my ego wants to kick, scream, bite, mm -hmm. hit, you know? And so... You're right. If we surround ourselves with the people that emulate the qualities that we would like to have, all they do is add to our genius and support us in doing the work to really truly discover our genius. And when you let that genie out of the bottle. Life is never the same.
0: Never the same. So the person listening to this that may be struggling to find out who they really are, Yeah, it's one of the first questions I ask myself is, and I'm in a library right now, guys, is literally what books am I reading? Yeah. What really lights my soul on fire? Yeah. What would I do in service of other humans? Yes. And um, it's like a Venn diagram of those questions. And yeah. then right in the middle of that, is your purpose? Yeah, and when you do that every day, like source runs through you, you will never be tired. You will be lit on fire, mm-hmm. and it will f- it will forever change your life. If you're tired,
2: if you're tired, then the first thing to do is remind yourself, I created this. Yeah, there's tired because I'm not participating. There's tired because I'm staying up late at wa- night watching mindless television. There's tired because I'm eating junk food. But then there's the tired of really spending a day fully expressing your passion and knowing that though your soul has this infinite energy you're you're in a body that has requirements for rest mm. and for food yeah. and for exercise and for play but you know I wanted to say you know you showed me your beautiful hat and all the amazing symbols on that you're you're wearing on your head what mm. my library represents so mm-hmm. you know I, when I see the hat After reading the book, I say, "Well, here's here's an example of Drew really creating symbols that he carries with him on his head Mm -hmm. to remind him of the wisdom of Father Son and the beauty of the butterfly, Mm -hmm. which is the symbol of the heart. And by the way, the butterfly is my fourth chakra power animal. Yeah, and you know, so share what those symbols are.
0: Yeah, and the hawk feather, hawk perspective.
2: My third chakra power animal.
0: Yeah, Father Sky." You know, you got the butterfly on there, you got your third eye or first eye, right? Yeah. And then um yeah, it just means a lot. Every time I look at it, I see the prayer hands. Yes. So having compassion, having love, gratitude. healing people, gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Gratitude for everything, praying over water. Like and yeah, simple and, things.
2: And Namaste. I, I honor the divine mm. in you, right? That's mm. the hands together is is yeah. namaste. acknowledging. That you're looking at the rest of yourself. Yeah. And
0: it's crazy when you show up in the world, like seeing the divinity or as Mother Teresa said, a pencil in the hand of God. Yes. When you see another human being like that and you really see them, yeah, it changes everything. Yeah. And I believe that's how we're supposed to see the people that we love and the people of the world. Human, yeah. to be human is to be enlightened fully.
2: Yes. Like when you're
0: really in your human.
2: Yeah. Because mm. the human being carries the angelic kingdom mm-hmm. in it the top 3 chakras are the correlate of the angelic killing kingdom the flow of energy and information mm-hmm. from the cosmos into the self and the bottom 3 chakras are the sense of self the body that we carry it's the whole recapitulation of nature so we really are as human beings um a composite of the superconscious the mm-hmm. subconscious the unconscious and the conscious and the 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 lower animals they're acting more from their instincts and they don't have the creativity, the tool making capacities, the artistic capacities. And of course that doesn't mean they're less beautiful. It means that they serve key functions in nature that are important. I mm-hmm. mean, imagine soil with no microorganisms. I mean, that's what commercial farming's doing to us. But, but the point I'm making is, is that when we tap into the higher consciousness, the angel within ourselves That's where we get our great ideas and inspirations that are acts of love. Mm -hmm. But when that comes down into our body, then our body becomes a vehicle of service. And the point I was making, if you get tired as an act of service, then you know that you're devoting your life and that your fatigue is meaningful. And then you give yourself the rest you need, the resources you need, so you can continue to be in service sustainably. But if you're getting tired because you're just spending too much time listening to your negative voices in your head or you're uh, burning yourself out in the gym because your only sense of identity is how much weight you can lift and Mm -hmm. as i tell people all the time doesn't matter if you can squat a thousand pounds if you can't get along with your wife and kids (laughs) what have you got yeah you know so you know i'll just sort of close by by saying that this book ubu is what it's like a how many pages is it? I mean, I'm right at the very... It's a,
0: it's a quick read.
2: Yeah, 156 pages. It's easy to read. It's well-written. The type is set so you can read. You can see I've left my marks all Thank through you. it here. Red um, pen and highlighter. Yeah, red. There you go. Um, <laughs> notes. Um, but it's a very digestible book. I think for uh, it very much parallels my PPS Success Mastery teachings, but it's a succinct book. That is a beautiful roadmap. Thank you, my friend. It's got the three, nice three sections, detox yourself, uh, identify and crush your limitations, and then own your awesome, step mm-hmm. into it, which Drew, you really have, man. So I'm very mm. grateful to, to Thank have you. been able to share this time and space with you. And, and I am very grateful to be able to share Organifi products. Yeah.
0: Well, you changed my life when I first saw you nine years ago, yeah. when I came out here to the heaven heaven on earth, yeah. what do we call it, the heaven house? Heaven house, yeah. And uh, here was this audacious, joyful, intellectual, uh, very balanced, divine, feminine, masculine man <laughs> that I respected. <laughs> thank you. And I wanted to be more like. Thank you. So thank you for showing me the divinity within you, my friend, well, and inspiring it. so many other people.
2: I do my very best because I know who they all are. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So well, thank you for that. Where can people find out more about yes. Organifi and your books and uh, Fit Life yeah. TV and all the things that you want to share?
0: Well, we're very family-oriented at Organifi. And I know your family is my family, man. Thank you, Oneness, buddy. right? Appreciate it. So if they go to Organifi... Organifi O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com yep. mm-hmm. and they use the code check okay. C-H-E-K. Yep. they get 20% off. Beautiful. So you can go to Organifi, check out all of the organic tested mm. a thousand times yep. <laughs> products that will really make you feel alive again. Mm-hmm. You can go there and check that out. Fitlife.tv is where we have our education. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on social at Drew Cannoli. So C-A-N-O-L-E.
2: Yeah, check it out. Social meanings? Uh, any of the social? Any media? of the social media? Drew Canole. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Fa- yeah, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I'm under Fit Life TV. Fantastic. So. And and your book on Amazon. Yep, you can get it on Amazon. Is it's there in, a better place to go? Amazon's probably the best spot. It's easy. It's easy. It's sold at a few bookstores here and there, but yeah, for the generation we're living in, that one click, it's pretty easy.
2: You know what? I'll close by saying, you know, (laughs) I didn't know you'd written this, as I said earlier, and Penny handed this to me because she knew this interview was coming up. And so she gave me, she she does all my research. So she gave me all sorts of links to your different outlets, your Instagram and pretty everything that she could put together on you. So I spent a lot of time because even though we've met before and talked and, um, I, you know, for an interview, I want to get a deeper sense of who somebody is so that it's not just a, a shallow interview. But then she said, Oh, you might like to see his book. And I said, Okay, well, I'll have a look. And I started flipping through it. And I went, Oh, geez, wow. This guy, this this is for real. This is not fluffy shit. This is the real deal. This is <laughs> this is pretty much what I teach my students. Wow. He's really, you know. And so ultimately, what I thought was going to be a flip-through in a few notes, I actually put, I ended up putting about five or six hours into this book. I pretty mm. much read the whole thing and Left lots of notes there. You can see, yeah, uh, all my notes I, that, I, that I wrote down uh, from my time reading the book.
0: Uh, but what I love about our interview, Paul, is that you spend the time and you really dove into it, and yeah. you gave me at least ten other books that I'm going to go home and order right now and read yeah, cool. because of I'm uh, dangerous. That my way. passion around this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for that.
2: I've had many. Uh, Students, spouses meet me and say, Do you realize how high my partner's credit card bill has been due to <laughs> all the books they're buying yeah. since they met you? I'm like, Sorry about that, but it, at least it's not junk food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Drew. What a thank pleasure! You. And uh, we'll have to do this again. And yes, let's uh, see where Great Spirit takes us together, mm. and see what we can do to uh, share our love with the world. I feel very grateful to be able to share Organifi on the podcast, and thank you for sponsoring the podcast. That's yeah, beautiful. And um, thank you for believing in the podcast as well. Thank you. Aho, Great Spirit. Mm-hmm. Aho.
1: Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Drew Canoli. You can follow Drew on Instagram at Drew canoli or on Facebook, search Drew Canoli and look for the page with the blue verified badge. Paul's podcast listeners can save 20% on Organify products when you enter the discount code CHECK20 during checkout. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4D Podcast or on his YouTube podcast channel youtube.com forward slash Living4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the Czech Institute's new website at checkiva.com.